using free speech to free minds. You're listening to The David Knight Show. As the clock strikes 13, it's Friday, the 1st of September, year of our Lord, 2023. I'm filling in for the great David Knight. Legendary Don Jeffries and friend of the show, friend of mine, Gardner Goldsmith, will be here. And in the third hour, the octopus of global control himself, Charlie Robinson. Uh, we're going to have a great conversation on FEMA. Well, if you're watching me on the live stream, don't be alarmed if you usually see me in my studio in Branson. I've got a big bookshelf behind me, but I'm in Denison, Texas at the Main Street Hall uh, broadcasting from my mom's office and there is no books behind me. Don't be alarmed, I've read books. So <laughs> I'm st I've still got some knowledge and some things to talk about when it comes to history uh, and uh, current events. And we've got some headlines to, to plow through. So um, great to be with all of you. I've got uh, my co-pilot and co-host is in studio, Beans the Brave, as always, my 12 and a half pound. Well, I, you know, she might be a little bit past 12 and a half pounds now. My Chihuahua from the mean streets of San Antonio is here. So. We can't have a bad show. <laughs> and I was looking at the not only the setup, and first of all, there's a Travis does an amazing job. When you've got a producer like Travis, you can't have a bad show. But I'm a one-man band. I've got all the streams. We're on uh, David's Twitter, uh, DLive, Odyssey, uh, Rockfin. Uh, we're over on Rumble. And I, I noticed I didn't have the logo for Rockfin. I'm sure we can fix that later. There was a few things I didn't have from my Branson studio, but I think we're firing on all cylinders. And I looked at the um, the date and I got a little bit of deja vu because uh, one year ago today, I believe I was hosting the David Knight show again on September 1st. And I think I kicked off the show by uh, saying pretty much the same thing I'm going to talk to you about. I and mean, as we open up and we're kind of careening into this Fourth turning, as, as David always talks about from, you know, the, the two historians, Strauss and Howe. But, you know, the beginning, the the uh, the climax of the last fourth turning was September 1st, 1939. And that's, uh, again, what officially kicked off World War II. And uh, the historians, the court historians call that the good war. Uh, but if you look at the the facts, it's it's a little bit more murky. It's a little bit more gray. And, uh, you know, it's somebody that like me, who's a combat veteran who later became uh, anti-war and skeptical of any foreign entanglements. I, I look at 
September 1st, 1939 with a, a different set of eyes. And uh, I, I implore all of you to do the same thing, too. I mean, go back and look at the history. Uh, who declared war on who? <laughs> That's It's always a good question. You know, you, in school, you're always taught that, you know, there was uh, the, the Third Reich became uh, very powerful and there was a madman and there's a dictator and all of a sudden the world was engulfed in flames. That's not exactly how that went. And, uh, you know, September 1st, 1939, uh, the Third Reich and Adolf Hitler invaded Poland. And there's a whole history of why they invaded Poland and uh, the war guarantees. You know, David talks a lot about this because we've both read Pat Buchanan. And Pat Buchanan talks about treaties, international treaties are tripwires. And uh, that's exactly what happened in, in September 1st, 1939 uh, with uh, England declaring war on Germany. It wasn't the other way around because Poland had a war guarantee. And what's interesting about all that and what's sad, uh, the tragedy of it all is that, uh, you know, Britain went to war on September 1st, uh, right after uh, Germany invaded Poland, they declared war on Germany. And uh, at the end of the war, 50 million dead, the world uh, turned upside down and uh, we give Poland to Stalin. So again, it's called the good war, but there probably really isn't a good war. And uh, we always need to be skeptical of that, not only as Christians, but as rational thinkers. And uh, again, skeptical of the state. The state, uh, again, that's the, the health of the state is war, right? And the state is a cold monster. Um, we're gonna jump into some headlines. I looked at Drudge and I don't, I see mug shots. There's lots of mug shots. We can get into the, the, the politics of the of mug shots, and I'm, I'm sure it's making some people money. Um, if you've listened to my show, I, I try to cover politics the best I can because uh, Sun Tzu admonished me to know my enemy. So uh, I think politics are, a lot of times are your enemy, especially in the modern era. And I, I talked last week about the politics of Plato's cave because I don't think we're all looking at the same thing. Now, if you're tuning into the David Knight show, uh, you got a really good picture of, of actual events. And sometimes it's not what you want to hear. Uh, but again, David's going to bring you the, the, I mean, I don't know anybody else that brings you more uh, trustworthy weapons, grade analysis than David Knight. It's why it's such an honor to fill in with for him. You can't really fill in for David. <laughs> you can sit in for David, uh, but you can't really fill in for David. I've learned that over the years, but you know, again, that's something I was talking about on my show. I don't think we're looking at the same thing. I don't think that uh, those of us, and especially if you're if you've been involved in politics like I have, uh, it's almost it's just a dead end road, especially at the national level. That's why I'm I'm all about uh, local, as David talks about uh, working within your communities, building a parallel community. Uh, it's one of the things. Uh, I've stepped up and, and tried to do myself, and I'm working on with uh, my gold and silver business with Wolfpack. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about Wolfpack later. I, I might advertise. I bought a bunch of more silver dollars, so I might I might throw a special up just for David Knight listeners here uh, during the broadcast. But you know, again, uh, I think that this this new election coming up, 2023, 2024 era, um, there's going to be more of this. You know, you got political persecutions with which are real. And then you've got people that are grifting off of it, which is what you have to watch out for, the psychological war, the left-right paradigm. Uh, that is the danger. So I was looking at um, the headlines and just kind of thinking about what I talked about last week, which, you know, if you know anything about the allegory of Plato's cave, 
and I can probably sum it up for you really quick. But, you know, you have this, uh, this story that Plato told about uh, four men that were chained to a log in a cave and they had become accustomed to the dim uh, light of the cave and they all had uh, their self-worth based off of the shadows that they could describe. And so the better you could describe the shadows from the, the light that refracted behind you, uh, the more um, well sought after you would be, the more intelligent you would appear. And then one of them finally breaks free and goes out into the wider world and sees the sun and comes back and says, no, 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 this isn't the this isn't real what you're watching. And uh, that person was shunned <laughs> and thought crazy because he could no longer see the shadows. And that's kind of how I feel when I look at politics. I don't I don't really see I don't really see many, many images anymore. It's just kind of a blur. Uh, but we will keep you um, abreast of all the, the developments, anything that comes across the, the live feed. But I want to go in today, and uh, again, I'll pay attention to the Rockfin chat as well. Let me see if I can, you guys bear with me. I'm on, I'm on my laptop, and I'm also my own producer, and I'm drinking coffee. So <laughs> hold on, I'm going to see if I can stop the screen and then bring up a, um, an article from Zero Hedge. Let's see if we can do this together. Uh, let's see, zero hedge. There we go. And this is an article on uh, inflation. Let's see. That's it's supposed to be anyway. Um, well, here this is this is why you should you should never be your own producer. Let's see if I can get it to click on that. Um, I don't know what yours. It's hard for me to see what uh, you might be seeing. So uh, bear with me, ladies and gents. All right. I may have to just read the article uh, directly, which you know, is kind of what, but David makes it look good. I don't know how he does that. I, I usually had to put the article up on the screen to show interaction and uh, David somehow reads it and it just looks better than I ever will. Um, let me see. Let's try it one more time. Let's do, I just want you to be able to see the article. It's a great article from the Epoch Times on inflation and what it means. I, I think we can really break, uh, break that down today because really uh, inflation and i talked about this last week on my show and i've i found it um hilarious that so many of these politicians are talking about uh what we're going to do about inflation and some of it makes no sense to me especially when you're <laughs> when you're talking about uh fake money so yeah i think i've got the right article pulled up let's let's go through uh this article here on zero hedge <laughs> and again uh it's called why are you feeling so much poor authored by uh, jeffrey tucker via the epoch times it says we're living through the largest pillaging of the american middle class in half a century it's not in the headlines this is extremely strange in fact this might be the first and only article you've read about it this could be for a reason. If people knew what was happening to them, they would begin to feel very restless, even furious. Some people among the ruling class do not want that. That, that kind of reminds me of what Henry Ford said. Uh, if the people understood the banking system, there'd be a revolution by morning. He, I don't think the man who put the world on wheels was wrong about that. As the Biden administration trumpets its economic achievements, it's mind, it's mind boggling. Call it trolling, call it gaslighting, call it whatever you want, but it's untrue. It says, uh, what do you spend money on month to month? 
it's rent or your mortgage, food at home, utilities and gas. These are all basic categories. The consumer price index includes far more than that. Some items you do not purchase and some that are going up uh, far less than others. So let's look at the government numbers on what you actually purchase. This is the items and services that you consume that dominate part of your income. And let's stretch that back three years. And this is, this is some data that I haven't even seen. It says everything is going up and it has been for three years. Looking at the items in which you actually spend money, we'll, we'll find increases between 18 plus to 22%. Let's say we average it out at 20%. And now let's look at real disposable income, which is income left over after expenses adjusted for inflation. That result is an increase of a pathetic 3% compared with three years ago. The stimulus payments felt great at the time, but those are long gone, essentially a head fake. So your income demands are up 20%, whereas your leftover cash is barely up at all. That's essentially a disaster for your living standard. And that's, I think, at the end of the day, what it was meant to do. It was meant to just get you along just far enough, just not to complain, just to, to hedge against what Michael Bloomberg talked about, about you going and getting the guillotines. And this is the genesis, I believe, uh, the foundations of UBI, of the universal basic income. It says the casual reasons are many, but mainly trace to the 43% increase in the money supply in the same period. Now that's an interesting way to correlate it. And then we, you know, we look at uh, those of us that are gold bugs and study this all the time. There's a figure that, and I've, I've probably said it multiple, multiple times on this broadcast and my broadcast, but you're looking at 80% of all the dollars ever made in our nation's history were made in the last 48 months. And that's staggering, you know, and, and you got these <laughs> politicians or whatever they are, on stage of Republicans and talking about, well, we're gonna do something about inflation. And they talk about, well, we, we could cap the budget or do this or that. And I think, you know, you're really not addressing the issue. You can't solve inflation with more inflation. If, as long as you have fake money, which is a uh, fiat currency, a uh, currency not tied to anything, there's no value whatsoever. It's so long as you have that, you're going to continue. It's inflationary by definition. If you create a dollar that's not tied to a gold standard or a bimetallic standard or a silver or anything, it's going to be inflationary just by existing. And I think they, I don't know, uh, I, they um, go to the same schools. Uh, they go, they're you know all within the same circles, most of these elites. And uh, that's fine with them. You know, fake money creates uh, a fake economy. It creates fake news. It creates fake wars um fake politicians and they like that it's a fake reality created by fake money and you're going to be seeing more of this um i'm i'm really just honored to be on the i think which is the the cutting edge or the wave that is coming of of people realizing that their dollar uh and i can't use the same words as the uh, oliver anthony who wrote the rich man from richmond but he talked about it in his song. Now think about, you know, that your dollar ain't, and I can't use the word, but you know what I'm talking about. Think about the fact that 
five years ago, that wouldn't have made much sense to people. But it does now because of the information I just read you. You know, you're talking about inflation, the cost of items, your everyday real items that you use up 22%, but your disposable income is up uh, maybe three. And I probably think that's generous. And the, so this is, this is going to be uh, the historical proportions of the change and the shift of everyday people's thinking and looking at their dollar and looking at the financial system, it's coming. And yeah, we're, we're early folks, but you can see the groundswell is happening. It's a, it's a real honor. And um, I'm not just black pilled on it. I think that there's some change that can be made. These people that, you know, what you want to call them the rich man from Richmond, North of Richmond, um, you know, they're, they're, again, they feed off of fake. And if it, their bluff is called, if we, we, the people stand up and say, we're not going to do this anymore. We want to have real value. There needs to be some sort of uh, checks and balances and restore that, especially on the state and local level. Um, now that's probably the death of this central bank digital currency. It has to come from the state and local level. It cannot, it, there is no fixing Washington. Uh, that's not going to work. I think we've, um, again, <laughs> what's the definition of insanity, right? Um, we're trying that over and over again. That's not going to work, but these, these efforts and people just in, in the sense of their mind, not being captured by the fulcrum of, uh, again, the crime of fiat currency is a huge event. Um, let's, uh, let's go back to this article. Uh, the casual reasons are many, but many trace a, to the 43% increase in the money supply in the same period which ate the value of the dollar with a lag. On top of that, supply chains broke, industry was consolidated, commercial freedom wrecked, and labor markets were forcibly disrupted. So now let's compare that to what everyone recognizes as the great inflationary disaster of the post-war period, which is 1978 to 1982. These were the first times when the Fed and the government pillaged the public drained away the value of savings and capital and forced a reorganization of family life. At the end of this period, the average American household went from living off one income, realizing the American dream, to having a two-income household. That happened in 1985 when the two-income households became the norm. And we can get into, I mean, this article does, but that's a whole other discussion of how that was planned, you know, especially to get to get the mothers out of the uh, out of the home uh, and get uh, paying into the system. Uh, at that time, this was called emancipation of women. But looking back, we can see this was clearly propaganda to cover up an economic disaster. Gender discrimination in the workplace hasn't really been a major issue for most of the 20th century. Back in the mid 20s. If you look at unmarried women without children after the age of 18, the employment rate in this city was generally 80%. These women left the workforce upon marriage to focus on children and the household, whereas the men bore the obligation of providing for the whole. This was the way we lived until the great inflation. That's what changed everything. After that, households had to have two incomes to live uh, well instead of one meaning that one partner had to go to the office rather than tend to the household or otherwise pursue the good life. The ruling class was able to 
fob this off with some kind of new liberty for women as a tribute to the power of ideological driven lies. Well, there's a lot loaded in that and 1000% true. You know, I, I've often felt bad for those workers because I feel for them. They're talking about, you know, we need, especially fast food workers and other, uh, you know, the consumption uh, service industry folks talking about needing a higher wage and, you know, $15 or $20 or whatever. And it's, it's sad because it's not taught in school, but again, you, you're losing the purchasing power of your dollar every day. I mean, a little bit, little by little, it adds up. And if you go back to the 1960s, you know, if you got paid in, um, let's say you got a dollar 25 an hour or something like that. Um, well, you would get paid in silver. You know, if you look at the value of the, what happened to, you know, the silver quarters, it's like what a, a uh, dollar twenty-five in silver quarters is worth about thirty dollars today, or you know twenty-five dollars easy today. Um, that's the issue. We have a problem with the money, right? The money is is what is has driven us not only changing our work habits, uh, changing what we can own, changing what we can save, but changing us sociologically. And that's the hidden thing. Uh, let's go back to this article. Uh, it, yes, it changed. How do how do we compare then? And this is talk, talking about how do we compare to the great inflation? Well, in three years, we've seen the value of the dollar fall 20 percent uh, in terms of what you actually spend money on, while income has barely gone up at all. During the great disaster of 43 years ago, this exact same phenomenon occurred over two years rather than three in our own times. In other words, the mass thievery and our times is taking place 50% slower than it happened last time, but it's happening nonetheless. When I think what the author is talking about too, and that that's the phenomenon of how did we get, how did we get at the end of the 1970s? Why did you have so much inflation? Well, the, the reason is, is because in night, in August 15th, 1971, Richard Nixon takes us off the gold standard, right? Uh, he had to, <laughs> we didn't have the gold. Um, other nations knew it. Uh, you know, the, the French president de Gaulle sent his warships over in 1967 to pick up the gold. Uh, we had taken the silver out of the coinage. The rest of the world knew that. Uh, so Richard Nixon takes us off the gold standard, which a uh, side note, kind of history. You know, he hired John Connolly, who was riding in the car. He was governor of Texas, riding in the car when Kennedy was murdered by the deep state. And that's where you get the magic bullet theory. Well, it's kind of interesting. They bring back you know, John Connolly all those years later under a Republican president as the secretary of the treasury. And now he does the magic monetary theory, the magic money theory and modern monetary theory, whatever you want to call it, or what David calls the magic money tree. Uh, so I thought that was interesting, but you know, you've got that history. Gold was $35 an ounce and it had been pegged uh, in, in 1944, that's when you had the Bretton Woods Conference in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire. And again, that was the setting up the new economic world order, the International Monetary Fund, pegging gold uh, dollar to gold, $35 an ounce, uh, setting up the world reserve currency and so many other things. And so when he removed that, uh, there was mass speculation because people knew that the dollar was now floating. It was a fiat currency. Um, 
So by the end of the 70s, you have gold at nearly $800 an ounce or some odd. That's not really what happened, though. It's not that there was a, a new demand for gold and that gold went up. It's that the dollar went down. And as I've said many times here on this show, talking with David, you know, you look at the 1970s and by the end of the 70s, going into the early 80s, when David was buying his first house and my, my father, Tony Arterburn Sr., was building homes in North Texas, you know, interest rates were in the teens. The reason they were in the teens is because Paul Volcker, the head of the Fed, you know, they've set out they're going to stop inflation. You know, they had to it was run away, uh, run away inflation because of that disparity between the, the uncoupling of value from the dollar. So it's not so much that gold went up, it's that the dollar went down and they had to raise interest rates. That's the one weapon that they have. Of He raised interest rates to the teens. However, in our time, and it's interesting, you know, this kind of this article is talking about the same thing. It, it hasn't been as drastic as far as the, the percentage rates aren't in the teens, but Jerome Powell has raised rates faster than any time in history. So they, again, something else is up. They, there is consequences for printing or creating. There's not a paper to, uh, <laughs> to, there's not enough paper to print, print trillions of dollars on planet earth, but there's consequences for creating those currency units. They, they like to pretend that there's not, but there always is. I mean, math, math doesn't care about your politics. Math doesn't pick a party. Uh, math doesn't care about your feelings or what you believe in. Math just is. It's just numbers. And uh, <laughs> it it tends to rear its ugly head eventually. Let me go back to this, this article here. Um, is, it, is it any better if the bus rolls over you slowly or quickly? It happens either way. That you lose 17% of your income three years or in two, what does it really matter? It is only valuable to our ruling class masters in terms of the extent to which the public complains. A population pillaged slowly, like the frog boiling slowly, is very liable to complain a bit less. Still, the reality is the same. Well, that's true. That's that's how we got here. You know, you, you just get into a, it's a slow rhythm, this slow acceptance. And you can see our society where they just... It's, you know, the trickle down tyranny. I think uh, Michael Savage came up with that term. But you you see it just throughout society, just slowly. It starts in the education. You got to start with the young, but slowly over time, you decouple people from the belief in liberty or personal sovereignty or the rule of law. All right. Um, and so that happens over time. And you can see our, you start reading history and you go, wait, we, we would have never put up with this, what we're dealing with now. You know, where, and you start looking back, you say, where, where are all the, like the, the, our ancestors and our, our forefathers and even just recently, where's our fathers and grandfathers and, and mothers and grandmothers who would never put up with this. And that's true. They have to, it has to, it has to reach an end game. I don't think they've totally succeeded um, because I, I like to watch trends and I think people are waking up and I think there's a, I think there's definitely a movement and uh, an awakening happening, and I, I'm I'm glad for that. Um, but it is right about <laughs> over time. It says the great inflation fundamentally changed life in America. We were never the same economically or culturally, and that raises the real question: What is the current round of thievery going on to do? What's it going to do to this generation? 
She says, I wish I had the answers. I don't really know, but we are seeing population-wide demoralization, ill health, lack of ambition, substance abuse, and widespread despair. However it ends, it's not going to be good. Well, this is the true extent of the puppet masters who are in charge of our global financial system. And the reality is when you play with the financial system to benefit uh, a, you know, a elite few at the expense of the many, uh, you kill people. You really do. Uh, it's the consequences of that in real time are is death. The wages of that is death. And you get people not only dying of in other parts of the world, dying of starvation because of economic setbacks that happen globally, but you have people here in the first world, in the West, having to choose between uh, food and medicine, right? And, um, you know, which one I'm going to have. I, my, I've lost, you know, so much purchasing power. I'm on a fixed income. So I have to choose my medicine or my food. You know, what are they going to choose? Or can I have this surgery? Or, you know, can I take, can I have this treatment? I have to choose between eating all the rest of that. That that's in real time and there's dire consequences. And again, this is why you have to do it slowly so that people don't, they, they don't rise up. They don't notice. Right. They'll talk about, well, everything's gone up. Everything's more expensive. No, your dollar buys less. It's the inverse. It's the opposite. And even even me being in the precious metals market. I tell people all the time, stop thinking about gold going up. But that, that what does it even mean? You're talking, it's pegged to a fake thing. Don't think about gold going up. Don't think about silver going up, per se. It'd be great if it did. And, you know, if, if you bought a lot of silver and uh, you you know it went and went to sixty and hundred dollars an ounce and something crazy that would be great, especially if you had debts to pay off and they were still locked into the same dollar units and uh, yeah I, I get that but gold and silver are money. See, there's a difference between currency and money, and if you figure that out, especially in the modern era, you're going to be a lot better off. You know the dollar is not money. Uh, the dollar is currency and it's a fiat currency at that. And of course, currency, you know, means current and it's like an electric current. And if it stops, it dies. Let's go back to this article. This is a great article. It says, can this be turned around? Yes, but it won't be easy. It will require massive changes in public administration, the likes of which have never been experienced. No candidate for office at any level is prepared to for what is necessary to reduce the debt contain the Fed, defang the administrative bureaucracy, reduce tax burdens, and make the American dream affordable again. We are nowhere near speaking the truth at this point. It's true. You have to first identify the problem. Right? You can't be, I was talking to a really good friend of mine yesterday, I said, you can't be in the same mindset that created the problem if you're going to solve the problem. Right? You have to grow out of that. Our founding fathers knew exactly what happens when you allow a banking elite to take over a country. Um, you know, there's the, the quote, and, and David's talked about this, about uh, it's attributed to Jefferson. And I don't know that it's true, but it sounds like something he'd say. But, you know, if you allow the and I'm paraphrasing, but if you allow a, a banking elite or a central bank to take over 
uh, the country. The you know our children will grow up homeless on the the continent their forefathers conquered, and that that's true, you know. But we have to first understand the origins of it. And if you understand the origins of the Fed, then you're going to have to admit that there's a ruling elite that conspire. It's a dangerous it's a dangerous thing for the mass media, for the teleprompter readers, for the political class, for the ruling class. Their whole everything is exposed with that lie. You go back to the creature from Jekyll Island. You know, you go back and again, they uh, November 22nd, 1910, you know, the, the world's richest people and agents of the world's richest people meeting off the coast of uh, Georgia and uh, Jekyll Island to create the Federal Reserve, uh, November 22nd, 1910, exactly 53 years to the day of the uh, Kennedy assassination. So the emergency, however, is real. The people dealing with growing and relentless improvement from powers out of their control can be unpredictable. At the very minimum, it means more crime, more cultural enemy, more distrust, and growing anger. Some leader needs to channel this into positive and constructive direction, else we are doomed to suffer another round that will make the great inflation 1970s look like a mere foreshadowing. Well, I would say uh, his uh, conclusion there is, is spot on. And I don't think it's going to look very tame. You know, you're talking about the end of the 1970s. You had runaway inflation, you had high inflation, you had high interest rates. Uh, just that shock of coming off of the gold standard. But right now, what we are witnessing, the dangerous territory that we are in, and I don't think there's any way around it. The only thing you can do is as far as preparing and this is going to, going to be on an individual level. On the, the aftermath, I think there's some, there's going to be some very positive events. But what really boils down to, ladies and gentlemen, is the loss of the world's reserve currency status uh, by the United States and the dollar. Um, I've talked about this on David's show before, but you go back to the 1960s, there's an economist named Robert Triffin, and he testified before Congress. And you know, there's uh, you talked about a lot, but really what it boils down to, in my understanding, Triffin's dilemma was what happens when you have the world's reserve currency because you've had to stock all of those. From 1944, we were the world's reserve currency. Gold was $35. Now it's pegged to the dollar. That way, it's one universal thing can move around, could be traded in dollars, made trade easier and uh, settlement easier. Well, Triffin's dilemma was when you have to stock all this, these central banks around the world, you, you have to stock them with dollars. I think I've mentioned before, 80% of all the paper currency ever made uh, by the United States Treasury is not in the continental United States. It's outside of CONUS. Um, you know, you see those um, uh, images of like dictators like Saddam Hussein that <laughs> have pallets of uh, $100 bills and things, and of course, drug cartels. But the average per person, like when I, you know, I, I remember rolling into uh, Mosul, Iraq on day one, the, the Republican Guard had, had left their barracks. It was, the, you know, the last day of any sort of Iraqi troop of being in the city. And uh, people often ask me, what, what's the, 
what's the greatest entrepreneur you've ever met? I'm like, well, I'd have to say it was probably that uh, 10 year old Kurdish kid who came and brought me a cold Pepsi when things were on fire, you know, and they traded in dollars, you know, there, and it's another example. I tell this story before too. He, they, this is the first place they sent us as troops going into Mosul, go to the banks. People were uh, rummaging and taking out all the cash with the images of Saddam Hussein. No one was stopping them. Well, the reason no one's stopping them is because overnight the currency became worth zero. It did what the philosopher Voltaire said happens to all paper currencies. They return to their natural state, which is zero. So yeah, it went to zero. And the next day, and I'm sure they were trading in dollars before, but we started trading in dollars. And uh, that's what makes the dollar the world's reserve currency is, again, tradability, uh, being able to settle, uh, being universally understood. And that's just the paper part. But you're talking about central banks all over the world um, using dollars. And this comes back to what happens when you lose the world's reserve currency status? Well, I mean, just off, you know, just some level one logic, those dollars come home. They get repatriated. And, you know, it's not just trillions. Is is it's it's probably more than trillions. It's quadrillions. You're talking about a massive amount of currency units that just crash the system, and the decline. And you can see this the chart over years. You know, twenty plus years. Uh, Two thousand one, you had seventy five percent or so of all financial transactions in the world went on in dollars. You fast forward another twenty years, two thousand twenty one. It was about 56%. Then the war in Ukraine kicked off because NATO and the United States got their wish uh, for that to be a, a hot war to give them all. Well, there's all sorts of reasons for that, but they wanted it. So the sanctions got put on in Russia. Uh, but then something interesting happens. You know, the ruble fell, but then it bounced back. You know, they uh, uh, made an announcement that they would uh, peg their uh, ruble to gold at so many, you know, the I think it's a gram per so many rubles and I don't know the chart, but the ruble bounced back and the dollar started to lose more and more reserve currency tradability. So it went from 2001, 75%, 2021, 56%, going into 2022 and then 23, we're at 45% and declining in usage. And all over the world, central banks are dumping the dollar and getting gold. I've been reading this. There's an article up on technocracy.news um, and I've read it twice on my show because it, it's that important. You've had, you have the records being broken by central banks around the world buying gold. Now I have, I ask the question all the time. Um, it, you're a central bank. I thought you made money. You know, I, why don't you stock your own currencies? Aren't your currencies valuable? <laughs> no, they don't stock their own currencies. They st they store gold. And there's only one central bank in the world not storing gold, ladies and gents. You know who that is? That's the United States of America. The United States of America has not added to its gold reserve since the 1950s, but every other country is. Um, you look at the development of the, the BRICS, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, that's right there is 40% of the world's population, just those countries alone. Now they're adding, I think there's a periphery of about 40 different nations and others that are applying 
to be part of BRICS, Mexico, Saudi Arabia, even Japan. So the world is sick of the dollar. They're sick of the hegemonic dominance of the United States and our arrogance, not ours, not, not we the people, but those, those uh, rich men north of Richmond folks, right? Um, and that's, that's the issue. We have 40 different sanctions on 36 different countries. And you don't think there's going to be a consequence uh, to those actions? They want to get away from our systems, and they are. Um, and it's, again, it's, it's one of those things where it's not immediate. I do think, though, uh, you know, David often mentions the Hemingway quote, how did, how did you go bankrupt? Well, gradually, then suddenly. I think this is the gradually part. You know, just so many things, uh, countries moving away from the SWIFT system. Uh, you start seeing on like the Shanghai Natural Gas Exchange, you start seeing the first trade of, of energy in the, in the yuan, of Saudi Arabia. Uh, their number one state sponsored client now is uh, is China. You know, we we're going green, <laughs> you know, here in the U.S. We're going green or whatever that means. Uh, more like we're going watermelon. Or we're going green on the outside, communist on, red on the inside. Um, but that's what's happening. We're, we're we even lost. I mean, it's not an accident. It would be, you know, a tragic comedy of, of sorts if if these people were really that stupid where they're going to, um, you know, have us lose the world's reserve currency status. At the same time, we lose status as the petrodollar. Why will, why we'll try to fight world war three? Uh, you know, again, they're not that stupid. Uh, these are, these are sophisticated plans that are being carried out by unsophisticated people. Um, <laughs> sometimes, uh, sometimes those people freeze up. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes, Sometimes they walk off stage the wrong way uh, or they'll sniff your hair or do something else. But um, there's other people behind the curtain, right? Behind the power structure. And so this is all happening. It, it, again, it's, it's gradually and then suddenly, but you've got all the things that are adding up. The terrible ifs accumulate for the dollar. And I think that there's something to Trippin's dilemma. So what you can do and you're talking about the article and inflation and you know if if you're if you're in a position where you're earning and i know the economy right now is uh it's terrible <laughs> yeah. I, I, robert rice was on a couple i heard him on a show a couple of weeks ago saying that bidenomics was the strongest economy he'd ever seen and i thought do any of these uh, establishment hacks uh these so-called like Paul Krugman, do these people ever get called to the carpet for just being dead wrong? Like the, the architects, like people like Robert Rice, people that are architects of NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. I mean, uh, who's more sophisticated? Uh, Ross Perot called it a giant sucking sound. Well, that's exactly what it did. But none of these, I mean, it just sucked the life out of the U.S. economy and uh, the, the wealth of, of the average worker. I mean, the wealth, again, of, of the average worker went down. You can see the charts and you can see the profits of multinational corporations were through the roof. And they have been. But all these so-called progressives love these free trade agreements. So people, the, the Bidenomics is working, all that stuff. But we we are witnessing a massive shift where uh, oh no, no one really believes that. I mean, yeah, you got the meat, the corporate media and people know because you're on, you're living in real life, 
you're watching your dollar buy less, uh, less and less opportunity. So if you're in a position to earn anything, uh, just from my standpoint, everything that I've learned, uh, transfer those fiat currency units into something else. And I'm in the gold and silver business. I'm not telling you to go do that. It's not an infomercial. Uh, what I am telling you to do is really examine why you would ever save those things. Now, it's good to have a little cash on hand, especially in an emergency situation, but gold and silver are liquid. So think about that. I mean, and you don't even, liquid meaning you can turn them into the currency uh, wherever you are. Uh, the, the, you know, they talk about a, you know, a worldwide currency or being able to have a world reserve currency. Well, we already have that. Uh, it's called gold. Uh, you can use silver too, but gold's a little bit easier when talking about larger units of measurement. But all across the world, you have the same gold price. It's the same in Bangladesh as it is in Boston, uh, which is convenient because anywhere around the world. So that's a universally known thing, and that's called money. And again, that's where you, that's where you can at least hedge against the type of inflation and economic damage that's been done. Really important in the coming years in months really too, months and years ahead, folks, take a look at getting outside of the system. Uh, I'm going to be setting up something on Wolfpack. And I know I keep saying this, but there's so much front end work to do. A lot of times I get, I just get caught up in having to, to supply it because we got so many new members now, but we're going to be adding a way for members to communicate. Um, and that will help. I think the, the parallel side of this where, you're going to have one set of people in an economy. Um, and this is especially important for the central bank digital currency. If that comes to fruition, which I think uh, there's a very strong chance that they'll try and, and we'll try to get it off the ground. It's up to us to stop it. But I think what you're going to see is uh, a lot of people just understanding what value is. We're going to Americans will learn what money is again. I always took it for granted in our history. Um, that wasn't a thing. You know, I've talked often about uh, if you were at uh, George Washington's inaugural and you bought, you know, a nice pair of shoes to go. Uh, guess what? In 1902, those shoes cost the same. There was no inflation. You didn't have inflation in the 19th century into the 18th century. Uh, you did going into the 20th century. You know why? Because you got a central bank and they didn't call it a central bank. They called it a federal reserve. Very, very important to understand how the elites use language, right? So that's that's something that you can do, just understanding where we're headed. And there's lots of uh, ifs, um, but I, I don't think that the, the dollar will remain the world's reserve currency status. I don't think there's any way that it can. I don't think that there's any political movement that could stop it. And it's, it's really, it, that ship has sailed a long time ago. Uh, we just weren't privy to it. So you're watching you're watching something historically in real time where the dollar is going to lose that status and your life is going to be affected by it big time. Uh, that's going to uh, uh, really put a hamper on. I mean, you're talking about retirement accounts. Um, that's that's going to be the, the, the stock market lending uh, liquidity everywhere. So that's going to be a huge, huge shift and uh, something that we all need to. That's a. I know this is my wheelhouse and I talked to David on Thursdays, um, but I just think it's, it's so important. So I always it's the first thing usually on my mind uh, beyond politics. Uh, politics are important because you have to <laughs> you, have, you have to check and to see what uh, 
what the soulless automatons are doing. Um, but uh, more importantly, take care of yourself. All right, we got about uh, 12 minutes before we're joined by uh, the legendary Don Jeffries. He's got a great new article up on donaldjeffries.media. Uh, and I will definitely go to the chat soon, but I wanted to bring, let's get another article going. Uh, there was something on summit.news that made me laugh uh, this morning. Speaking of politics, I told you I'd talk politics. I told you. I don't, to I don't totally uh, get away from it anymore, but uh, let's see. Let's stop this screen. Let's go to another screen. Thanks for bearing with me on this. Let's go to summit.news. I can find it. There we go. All right. This is summit.news. Press secretary lies immediately. <laughs> Her lies are immediately exposed after claim Biden has done more to secure the border than anybody else. <laughs> Uh, this is fun when this happens. Biden press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, was immediately exposed as a liar as she claimed Thursday that Joe Biden has done more to secure the border to deal with this issue of immigration than anybody else. <laughs> I've seen some disturbing footage. I'm sure most of you have too. Of, I mean, just people just, I mean, massive amounts of people just coming over the Southern border. And, you know, I, I have to, I, it's a federal issue for the most part. I mean, that's their only job is to secure the, secure the defense. They don't do that. Um, I remember the defense uh, under secretary of defense asking Congress when they could leave the border, get back to a more traditional role. And I thought, well, I'm a combat veteran. What, what is the more traditional role than securing the United States of America and our Southern border? So you have, you know, massive, amounts of military age men, I mean, gang members, uh, human traffickers, all these people coming across the border. It's wide open. Uh, so this is like some Orwellian Kafka-esque kind, of, uh, kind of press conference where you're like, so we can't talk about the thing that you've obviously made worse, but every president, I mean, since Reagan, have, I mean, I, I mean Obama uh, deported more people than Trump. So we know that. I mean, but again, that's kind of like you're succeeding at what? I mean, what's the you're the best of the worst? I mean, since Reagan, that you know, they had the 1986. He did a couple of things in 86, right? He <laughs> indemnified the uh, big pharma against vaccine injuries. And then, you know, he's did that so-called so deal where, well, you know, you uh, will have all this amnesty if we secure the border. They never secure the border. I mean, Honestly, my blame from I grew up in Texas. My blame is like, look at my governor. Look at uh, look at Greg Abbott. Why hasn't he secured the border? Uh, that's a good question. And the, the reason is, is because we're caught in the pincer of the two party system. You know, the Republicans like the cheap labor for the Chamber of Commerce you know, and the, they can get their illegal alien maids and all this other stuff and the country club people. And then the Democrats want a new voting block. So we, the people don't really have a voice. Yeah. You get a sprinkling of uh, folks every now and again, but this is aside from the world's reserve currency status and the dollar and, and losing our empire. Uh, this is 
right up there, like of an order of importance. Because if you don't have a border, then you're not really a nation. Not really at all, right? And we know that they are collapsing these things on purpose. I think in this is psychological warfare as, as much as it is anything else, because it's showing you that you're you're impotent. You're a pitiful giant. You really can't secure your border and your politics don't work either. So you can you can't vote your way out of this. It's meant it's meant to make you feel helpless, you know, because you what what have we come all this way for? What are veteran cemeteries full of you know dead soldiers for? Like well, we fought all these wars for what? So we wouldn't have a border? So we wouldn't have any sort of rule of law? Is it, I mean, what a slap in the face to people who actually work hard to get here, who do the right thing and uh, immigrate legally. What a slap in the face. It's meant to be all of those things uh, or else it would stop, right? This is the, this is the exposure. The, the border is everything when it comes to exposing the lies. Let's go back to 9-11, which, by the way, uh, I can't I hope I can plug this enough, but I will be speaking. I can't believe I'm not, I, I can't believe I'm on a, this this panel, but there's going to be a panel in New York City anniversary of 9-11. It's actually on September 9th, Saturday uh, next week, uh, going to be in, in New York City. Richard Gage, former uh, head of architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, Charlie Robinson, uh, Don Jeffries is going to join us here in a minute. Wayne McCroy, Gard Goldsmith. Uh, myself, others are going to be speaking on 9-11 and uh, not only just 9-11, but, uh, you know, our world prior to, world after, uh, things to look for and some great research. And so uh, I've been working on on my talk and I, I really look forward to that. Uh, so go to eventbrite.com. I'll have to make sure I plug this. We need to sell some more tickets because that it's going to be a great event. You get to go just meet people in person uh, if you follow any of those podcasts. Um, but eventbrite.com. Uh, and that's under Free World NYC. So I'm, I'll be sure and plug that again. Um, but yeah, 9/11. You you have uh, you know the, the the evildoers, and you can't see them because they're an invisible enemy too. Kind of convenient. Um, oh, their passports found in the rubble. So jet fuel it melts steel. Uh, it doesn't. But let's say it does. But it doesn't burn passports, so I don't know. I'm, I want to get some of that passport material if I'm ever in a firefight again. Uh, but you find the passport in the rubble, all of that. It's all nonsense because at the end of the day, they tell you we're under attack, and you know uh, <laughs> they're they're coming to get us. Um, we got to go over to Iraq because of weapons of mass destruction, and Saddam Hussein's building a death ray and whatever, right? Um, what about the border? Did they ever secure the border? The answer is no. They didn't secure the border. Never. Never worried about it. So all of that is a misdirection. Here's another thing. There was COVID-1984. That was exposed by the border, right? You uh, stop all these flights from China. We can't even use the currency. You can't touch it. It's dirty, right? Remember the dirty? You can't have the currency on you. You can't, you can't get the germs. It's coming from China, right? You can't do, and we, we don't take cash anymore. The germs, but as far as just unchecked unknowns crossing the border from all over South America and other parts of the world, I mean, coming into the Gulf of Mexico and from everywhere, nothing, not a peep, nothing. That should tell you everything. The border has been 
a glaring <laughs> it's it's one of those it's just like it, it wins your argument for you but it's an inconvenient thing uh let's go a little bit i gotta get a couple more minutes on this uh she, she says uh jean pierre declared uh he really has uh <laughs> He saw the single largest month-to-month -month drop in unlawful border crossings because of the policies the president put in place. And mind you, he's been doing this on his own, she said. She further said, we need Republicans to do this, but they keep turning it into a political stunt. She further claimed Biden has expanded the pathway to citizenship for illegal immigrants. Well, um, when you do that and call me crazy... But aren't you just incentivizing more? And it's kind of like, again, you go back to Reagan with the amnesty. Uh, you didn't secure the border afterwards. So you're incentivizing more of that. Uh, you know, these folks that are, they're being directed to come here. You know, this is something that in our lifetime, I think we probably will see uh, this, uh, more of this will be exposed. But it's a very sophisticated operation, you know, paying uh, for the pamphlets and guides and all these things that go to these people, get, get, getting them to do the caravans because the whole, the whole point is to collapse the system, kind of a Cloward and Piven moment. <laughs> you you got to love it too. When, um, somebody gets called in real, <laughs> in real time. I mean, they say ridiculous things on the podium and, uh, in Washington, DC. I think we, I think we've become accustomed to that. There's nothing new under the sun here, but it is, when they make something so, so outlandish, so egregious, so offensive to anyone who is paying attention, it reminds me of, I remember being part of the last part of the tail end of the invasion of Iraq, unfortunately, and you had their propaganda minister who would deny what was happening on the ground in real time. Like, he would be in Baghdad saying the troops aren't here. And you're like, you could see in the background, um, what was it Baghdad Bob or something like that? And I had to go back. But I remember like listening to it uh, on shortwave when we were rolling up and, you know, it would be clear that, that what he is saying is not true, but he did it all the way to the end. Well, you have to admire his dedication. I think these people will do it too. They'll deny, 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 and they will uh, <laughs> propagandize all the way to the end. I see uh, that my good friend, uh, the legend Don Jeffries, is is here in the in the stream yard back office. Welcome to the Don Jeff. Welcome Don Jeffries to the David Knight Show. <laughs> hey Tony, it's always always great to be with you. Well, uh, it's good to see you, Don, and um, I don't know if you heard any of the first hour. I was kind of doing my usual thing going off on inflation and fake money and <laughs> all, mm. all that um, I, I led into, I, I don't know if you saw that there was an article up on summit.news. I was just talking about with uh, the Biden's press secretary saying he'd done more for the border than anyone else, any other president. <laughs> uh, and I, I mean, if, yeah, he's done more not to secure the border. He's done more to the border <laughs> or opening it up yeah. than anybody yeah. else. Yeah. Uh, so that that's been that kind of setting the tone. And I want to talk about, Let's bring Guard Goldsmith in here. There he is. Guard. Well, hey, guys. Back. How you doing, Guard? I'm welcome doing very back, well. Guard. Thanks for the invitation. It's great to be here on the program. This is fantastic. 
Good to see you, my friend. Uh, yeah, I was just talking to Donna. So, you know, I did my I did my usual show for the first hour. Now I'm bringing in the big guns, and we were just, you know, <laughs> no, no, nothing nothing new to see here. More lies from Washington. Uh, more devaluation of our dollar. All the rest of it. All the favorite games that the uh, elites play. Same old Satanism, huh? Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> same old. Same old. Uh, the works of the lizard people, right? Uh, hey, by the way, kudos for reading that Jeffrey Tucker piece. Jeffrey is fantastic. And of course, he used to be over at the American Institute for Economic Research over in Great Barrington. And he was one of the guys who was behind the Great Barrington Declaration. And of course, now he started up the Brownstone Institute. I have a couple of friends who work over there and uh, they're really dedicated to what they do. So awesome stuff. Well, I'm, uh, oh, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, that was a great piece. I saw it this morning when I was putting the show together and I thought, this is it was some good information, very succinct. And, you know, when people start on it, he, you know, he made the mention in the article, you know, if, because it's done so slowly, people don't really truly grasp what's happened. You know, it's like, well, I, things cost more and I can buy less. And I don't really understand that because you're, you're thinking of the dollar as money and that it's a static value. You don't know where everything else went. Well, it's just that your loss of purchasing power, it's about inflation. It's about, that's criminality, you know, criminality 101 when it comes to currency um yeah i want to get i definitely want to talk about what you have going on guard but i saw uh that don had a new article out if you go to donald let me pull up this uh screen here i want to show don's all right he's got a great Substack, folks let me stop this screen start another one at, you you did this for a whole week or so didn't you guard you're you're on your laptop being your own producer i've done this too uh, I'm not in my studio in Branson. I told people this morning, don't be alarmed. I didn't get rid of my books. I still read, but I still have books. You know, uh, I'm in my my mom's office at the Main Street Mall in, in Denison, Texas. Um, but I wanted to bring up Don's article. It's just a great title, by the way, Don. Uh, and this is, you go to donaldjeffries.media or you can go directly to his Substack. Oh, I protest by Donald Jeffries. Nothing to fear, but fear porn itself. Uh, <laughs> jump frights, propaganda, and continuous stress. I, I wanted you to just speak a little bit about this. This is a great piece. Uh, kind of what inspired it, Don, and, and you know what the nuts and bolts here. I, I want to get people to go check out your Substack too. Well, thanks. Yeah, they, I, 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 it's the only place I'm not being shadow banned, so I try to stress it a lot. It's the only place I'm growing. You know, I'm getting a, a pretty decent amount of paid subscribers now too. Everything's free there, but if you want to pay, that's cool. I'm obviously appreciate it very much. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think what probably brought it on was the, the, the indications. And again, they back off on these things so much. And I, I mentioned in there how often we've talked about is world, are we at World War III? Is it going to happen? You know, it's going to be nuclear war. I mean, we're always on the precipice of some doom. And that's why you have a whole subset of people in our world that I call doomsters that really walk around like with, with doom boners, really, that want, you know, that, that, that want, they, they want an asteroid to hit. You know, they, I mean, they, I, I see it. I read it. I mean, you know, maybe it's just big talk, but uh, they want, you know, a, a World War III because they think this life is so bad that, you know, if you destroyed it, it'd be preferable, I guess which I don't know, I guess I, maybe I can't blame them for thinking that, but it, there's always a, a group of people that are constantly predicting doom in our, in our world. And then, of course, uh, with the mainstream media, they're they're feeding you a nonstop, 
diet of fear, whether it's foreign boogeymen or what, what that they've done forever, going back to the dreaded Hun, you know, in World War One. I. I mean, they're constantly, you know, we have these horrible people that, that are around the world. We have to do something about it. And uh, when it's not that, it's some dreaded plague, some dreaded disease, some of them very real. Like I talked about diphtheria and uh, things like that. People had to deal with in the past had to deal with real fear. You know, they had big families. And one of the reasons they wanted to have big families, because, you know, half the kids would die in infancy or child. They had so many child diseases then. So uh, there were lots to fear. How many women died in childbirth back then? So uh, but now when we've eradicated some of that, we still have you know, the cancer fear that's everywhere, you know, and now we had the terrorist uh, boogeyman, as I pointed out. When's the last time you read anything about terrorism? Apparently, they've just, they've just decided to retire. I mean, they're literally retiring from the scene. They were whatever they call them now, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, ISIL, Taliban. I mean, they made, they made up so many names for them. They changed the spelling of Qaddafi's name, for heaven's sakes. Go try to find the original spelling, which was Q. Now it's always G. It's like, when, when, you know, when, when did they change this guy's name? I mean, that's the kind of stuff that bothers me, makes me think it's all theatrical because nobody but me apparently remembers that. I remember when, I remember Qaddafi when he spelled his name with a Q. But he was the original QAnon. Exactly. He was the original QAnon. So, but, um, so here we have, when they started talking about this thing, about, you know, with round two, you know, Friday the 13th part two or whatever it is with, you know, Jason's really coming back this time. Uh, and it's going to be, you know, with this new variant. And there are there, I don't know if they're going to do it, but there are lots of indications. Oh, we have to lock down again. We have to put masks on. Will Joe Biden put a quarantine on all the unvaccinated? I hear all these things. And hopefully, if if the past is any indication, uh, it won't be that bad. But it's constant, that's in the air all the time. So people are fearing of oh, what are they going to do? Are they going to send us to the FEMA camps? You know, that kind of stuff, which is uh does worry me a bit still. But so I, I, I said, well, let me just write this. How much fear is a part of our lives? I mean, you've had, I don't know how many millions of Americans, you know, have to have to go to psychiatrists and get prescriptions just to deal with things because of the stress, you know, and they, and they know how bad those antidepressants are. But for some of them, you know, it's, it's a good trade-off. You don't have sex anymore. You can't do whatever, but it's, you know, it's, but at least you can cope with things. You can sleep. And that's just a real indictment of our world that, you know, that we're, we're that stressed out. And, uh, but it's largely in part, some of it, of course, is, you know, family dysfunction, all that, but large part because of this nonstop fear porn. And the fact that they would even try this, this COVID thing again, is just, uh, it's mind boggling. And, you know, I've, I've read lots of people saying, well, this time we'll be ready. And Trump came out famously and said, you know, we're not going to take, I forget what the thing was, but he was, he was talking very boldly. You know, we're not going to stand up for as if he's going to be in a position to do anything. But um, he certainly was there issuing the order the first time. So I don't know. I, I just I just thought it was a, uh, you know, when I'm writing, I, I, I write two or three times a week on there. And the, the ideas come in my head and I just go with it. But uh, I just think that uh, fear is a huge part of our lives. And it's it's obviously the COVID thing showed they locked down the entire world. So they came up with something that's way bigger than anything, way better than anything they've ever tried before it worked. And uh, this is this is the you know the essence of fear porn. You get people worried about their health and uh, worried that they might die from this invisible virus. Much more effective than you know demonizing Saddam Hussein or whatever. So uh, well, hopefully I got good feedback from it. But uh, you know it's it's just it's nonstop fear porn. And of course, I have a play on words of FDR's ridiculous 
you know, nothing yeah, to so fear, that, but fear itself, you know, from, well, from, I was thinking about that too. I mean, yeah, I obviously play on words there, but what a huge departure from, uh, the inauguration of, of FDR that was March 4th, 1933, you know, and he, he took a, he borrowed a line. Um, not many people know this, but he borrowed that line from Napoleon Hill who wrote think and grow rich. That was a, that was a little side borrow there. Um, but that was a different, again, he was trying to get people to calm down because they, that's why the next day, I think he declared the banking holiday. It wasn't the next, yeah. next day or the next week. Yeah. Uh, it was really quick, right? And of course, that right after that, he made gold illegal because people <laughs> were hoarding gold and because they knew that there was an issue with the currency because of the Federal Reserve. But what a massive disparity between those two times. And, I'm, yeah. and the government, the government was corrupt then. Um, but what it they didn't they wanted to, to quell fear so they could control the economy because they felt like there were, the economy would go off the rails. I mean, Don's written Survival of the Riches. You've talked about this. Um, it was in their best interest. Now it's in their best interest, Don, to keep you fearful, to not, not have you think rationally. So this is yeah. this is a massive, massive shift, massive change. And I'm glad you brought that up because it is all around us. I and mean, we we are victims of this our, to ourselves in alternative media. It's like there's so many things hitting us all at once. Um, we have to think rationally. We, obviously, I start from the premise that like George Carlin said, um, whatever the government tells me, I don't believe it. Right. right. I, start, I start there. I don't believe anything they tell me um, because I used to work for them. So I, I understand a little bit of how, how it's all made. Right. Um, but again, you, you you see this spirit of fear. It's being pushed and you have to ask yourself why you see that there's all these events happening all at the same time. And we get into this mode where we, you know, we know that there's a, a nefarious reason behind most events, uh, but it's hard to dissect that anymore. I mean, I mean, Don, you wrote, <laughs> you wrote hidden history too. Um, and I, I've read, I've read all your books, Don. Um, but you know, you, you've been covering this for a long time. Um, do you feel like that? And I want to get the guard to answer this too. Do you feel like we are in a period where more things, um, it, the, the acceleration, the 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 amount of, of these events rolling out, is certainly quicker than any other pace in my lifetime? Uh, what are your thoughts, Don? Is it it has to be on purpose if there's a if this 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 kind this many events happening at once? Yeah, absolutely. It is. You know, we we talked for years about the boiling and the frog analogy, which is basically gra gradualism. And that's how the people that run this world uh, operated for forever. The idea was to, you know, gradually turn the heat up and the frog doesn't know it's being boiled and eventually it's, it's, it's cooked. And uh, that's what we were doing. That's what Americans are doing. They didn't see, uh, you know, some of us tried to point out to them. You see what this five years ago, look at it now. But uh, with COVID, we went into warp speed, not just the vaccine. And we went away from gradualism to warp speed. So now everything is coming all at once. There's a uh, I didn't even address that in the article, but I could have brought up the fear of uh, AI, the fear of robotics. I mean, how many movies have we seen where the robots take over? Um, you know, some of us think that's a real possibility. I, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, you know, uh, if, if they're, you know, putting uh, certain kinds of intelligence in that, I've heard the recordings of, I don't know if you've seen the, uh, and again, this gets into the fear porn, that new thing out where the guy posted the thing about um, Alexa saying there's who's going to be in the election and there's not going to be an election. And she spouts out, you know, something in 2024. And again, there's a whole subset of people. Th and I've heard that going back to uh, when Clinton was in office, at least 
where the right was saying, oh, they're not going to be an election. You know, they're going to spend some section. You know, Bill Clinton's going to be president for life, that kind of stuff. So that's always there. And and I I mean, they could do that. Who knows? At this point, nothing they, they do would surprise me. And if they did suspend the election and just continue with Biden as president, do you think those, uh, you know, 100 million or how many people really have Trump derangement syndrome? Do you think they would complain? I, I don't think they would complain at all. And they would rationalize, well, you know, we're in the middle of a, we're in the middle of a, a, a pandemic too. And uh, we're, you know, World War III is there. Putin, you know, Putin's in Ukraine. How can we have an election? I can see them, you know, saying rationally. And that's the problem is you have everything we, we talk about now. Half of the country has, has lost its mind because of Trumpenstein. So they're willing to accept anything if they think it'll keep him out of office, because that's their overriding interest. Is you know, so I, I don't know what what they're going to do if he actually you know dies, and he's not there anymore, because they they would have to transfer that to somebody else. But all of the demonization has been gone into one person. So um, yeah, this is this is this is moving so fast; it's incredible, and that's why it's hard to keep up with it. But um, and certainly it 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 makes the fear porn warp speed as well. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, Guard Goldsmith, uh, your thoughts? I mean, I, 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 I threw a lot out there, but I figured you'd be able to pick it up, my friend. What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts? Well, it's a great piece by Don, and I love the, the reflection back to the old days of the nuclear fallout shelter and stuff like that. It just brings it's so evocative. And Don's such a good writer that you can just picture yourself there with him as a kid stacking the cans in preparation for this terrible thing. And, you know, to, to use the touchstone of the, uh, the quote, we have nothing else to fear but fear itself. Um, it, it depends on whether they want you to fear something or they want you to overlook something that is a real crisis that they helped create. So that line from Roosevelt facilitated his, uh, his attempt to try to pull a Leslie Nielsen to say, nothing to see here, everybody, everything's fine. You know, it's sort of the, it's sort of the, the, you know, the Joe Biden FEMA Maui situation where it's like, Oh no, we're working very hard. Pay no attention to those guys in the thousand dollar a night hotels, 45 minutes away from the site and pay no attention to the, uh, everything that led up to that fire, which was absolute government malfeasance and claiming over rights and things like that. And I think one of the key things to recognize is it that there are two two things two things that they they tend to do, especially with the Hegelian dialectic and 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 Marxism, cultural Marxism. Collectivists have to work very hard, and this this is one of the great things in uh, uh, "Live Not by Lies," um, the book. Um, they you know they point out that uh, co collectivists, political collectivists who want power have a very, very strong ability to be able to, or they, they try to take advantage of the fact that they will split people apart so that we as individuals will be seeing each other as the enemy. And the one thing that can bring everybody together, the one thing that can make every, everything fair and, and just social justice or equitable is the central authority. We can't do it ourselves. We have been, we have been totally atomized and they will bring us together. And oftentimes what they'll do is that the thing that will bring us together is the crisis. So it's it's this constant Hegelian dialectic with the, with the uh, forever ratcheting effect that Robert Higgs, a great economic historian, talked about in his uh, crisis in Leviathan. They they will announce the crisis. They'll ratchet in a new thing. And then that thing never leaves. So that's what they were testing out with COVID-19. But they had already established so many 
of the uh, of the pieces of the gears on that. That once they set it in motion, they were just testing out the machine they had already built. Don, you wrote uh, "Masking the Truth." I interviewed uh, you on my show. I know you've been on here with with David, and uh, kind of <laughs> very fortuitous. I mean, we just get you did the the hidden history of COVID nineteen eighty four and uh, the lockdowns and the power grab and all the criminality. Uh, it's right there in Don's book, uh, very well researched. And, you know, you, you have this latest round of, and I, there is, I think, some substantiation, but, you know, they, they need to roll out something again. Um, you know, you need to have another lockdown election, right? It, it makes things very politically expedient for them to have total control of the population. Um, we haven't seen anything really confirmed. But we or uh, you know, th those of us in alternative media are very concerned about a possible lockdown 2.0. And, and I know you've written about that. Uh, I want to get both of your thoughts on this. I mean, if have we seen anything concrete? And if so, where is that headed? And do we have any timelines or are they going to roll this out in, you know, in the next? Uh, is it is it short term, near term, long term? What are we looking at, Don? Well, I think it's it's really hard to tell because so much of this again is theater, and and and, and Trump is at the heart of it. Uh, the idea, because the other side, our side, the seventy, or I don't know how many million, let's say at least fifty million people, probably of the seventy or eighty million that voted for Trump, probably remain loyal to him, largely. I would think he's lost some support, but I would think there's probably still fifty million diehard Trump loyalists, at least to some degree, out there. So they they are trying to, they're believing that that Trump can save us this time. He's going to do it. So they, they would believe that they're going to do this to stop Trump. They're either not going to hold an election or they're going to come up with uh, some kind of new law, which the Democrats will be able to pass that you can't, uh, you can't be a convicted felon or whatever. You can't serve as president from prison. Cause that's, I don't make predictions, but I think that's a pretty very colorful, uh, you know, scene to, to envision is Donald Trump being elected president from prison and actually serving in the office? Maybe they'll move the you know the the, the desk there or something. I don't know. And again, with his with his people around him, his crew will probably have a crew in the prison, and maybe you know who knows. But uh, my new Secretary of Defense, you know, you don't know. But um, I can see them doing that just to make this a complete laughing stock, as if you know you have a president now who you know is walking around shaking hands with the air. Doesn't clearly doesn't know where he is. If the only way maybe to go beyond that is to have an actual prisoner as president, so maybe they'll do that. I don't know. But um, so when they say these things, again, they say they make so many dire pronouncements or hints that they're going to do something, and most of the time it never happens. And uh, but you know the the timeline, the way it works is that yeah, we're we're steadily going down. We're losing rights. Nothing nothing good ever happens. But most of the dire predictions don't come true that people think. So I I think we'll have an election. Uh, the votes will be, you know, they'll be counted as like they're always counted, you know, they'll, they'll determine who, who they want in there as a figurehead. But I, I don't think um, you're going to see these really dire things, but I don't know. And if they lock everything down again, which they could easily do, I didn't think they'd do it before. Again, you're going to have half the country at least. I mean, some of the people may not fall for it this time, Maybe they've been woken up to again and say, well, I don't want to put these masks on again. I don't want to, I don't want to do this thing again. I think you will have fewer people, but I still think you'll have a majority that'll support it. And that's that's the problem we have with all of this. Everything we talk about, 
whether it's, and it doesn't matter what the issue is, the fact that we are outnumbered. And it's, it's one thing to deal with the elite. And I don't know what they would do if we came together as a force. If 75, 80% of the people were united and thought, understood what was going on like we do, or we think we do. And uh, if that was the case, could they get away with this? I don't know. They have a lot of power. Maybe they just have to come out of the shadows and stop pretending this is a democracy or whatever they they claim it is. But that's that's the problem. That's why you have, I wanted to uh, mention, I don't know if you talked about it in the first hour or not, but I mean, you see what happened to uh, um, Joe Biggs, who was given 17 years. Uh, I mean, this this outrage. I, I was watching one of those investigation discovery shows uh, that I, I do for research in case I ever write the book about the injustice system. And I keep notes on all the outrageous, you know, examples of it. And usually it's people getting sent away for life on, you know, absolutely no evidence at all, no credible evidence, talking about reasonable doubt, but apparently no jury understands the concept of that. But sometimes they let obviously guilty people off or very lean. And this last night, there was a case of, I watched a, of a 38 year old school security guy who uh, kidnapped a 14 year old girl and kept her in his home for 10 years as a sexual slave. And recorded all the sexual acts they did. They all had all documented. His sentence was, he served 15 years in prison. Two years less than Joe Biggs might serve for going to the Capitol to protest. That's what I'm talking. And, and most of the country isn't outraged by that. They don't care. Most of the, I, I saw the comments. Oh, good for him. He shouldn't have gone there. They're happy about it. And uh, you know, Joe Biggs, I mentioned him because, you know, he's known to David. And uh, I think he used to, back when Alex Jones was a much better show, it was a pretty good show. They used to have remote things. And a lot of times David would be teamed up with Joe and they would right. go on. And I used to love those location things where they would go out and they'd, they'd show what was really happening. I remember one time they went to visit the, uh, there was a building in, I think, Chicago, where they're holding mostly black people that they were just kind of throwing in this building with no charges, nothing, and just holding him in there. And you know, I thought, this is completely outside the law. And uh, that's the kind of good work they did. And uh, so he, I don't buy for a second that he's any kind of uh, dangerous person, but he, he exemplifies what's wrong with this thing when half the country, more than half the country doesn't care. More than half the country doesn't care about him getting a sentence like that. They don't care that, I don't know, I don't even know, we don't even know how many people are in prison have been held as political prisoners now for over two years, denied all due process. This is Abraham Lincoln, you know, redo, you know, it, it's, this is, you know, the exact same thing he did. And I guess maybe a majority of people didn't care back then, but uh, it's, it's shameful. And so I, the, the only hope we have is our, our uh, power in numbers. So to stop a lockdown, unjust, I mean, really, if we had, if we had a hale and hearty people, those prison authorities and everybody, they, 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 these all our officials would have been tarred and feathered a long time ago. I mean, that you you would have a crowd, an angry mob that you see in some of those old films that would have stormed D.C. prison and would have freed those prisoners because they shouldn't be there. They've been denied all due process and nobody seems to care. And now they're when they're you know finally going to trial, they're getting these outrageous sentences and nobody cares about that. And uh, so I just wanted to mention that because I think it again, exemplifies where we're at is that we, the only way we can possibly win or, you know, try to make this country sane again is to have a majority of the people not go in and not support this, but right now they're supporting it. So don't think for a second, if they decide to have that lockdown again, 
the majority is going to support it. They're buying. I mean, when you, I talked to them. When you talk to people that have had eight booster shots and have gotten COVID four times, it, it, it does. They don't care. Nothing matters to them. All they have to do is say, "Well, it's good." You know, it's a good thing you. It's still your. I think I heard that. Uh, you know, the, the press secretary Biden saying, uh, "This is still the best way." To, you know to deal with this is to get vaccinated. Okay. So, you know, keep, keep, keep saying that we, we heard, um, what was it? I just saw a um, 12 year old, they said a 12 year old boy, you know, dropped dead in gym class yesterday in California of a heart attack. Okay. And you had people I saw, I was looking, I think it was Yahoo or something. The majority of the comments, you don't have any evidence, you know, that, uh, that he could have had a congenital heart effect. I mean, I, I, I never heard of that happening ever when I was a kid. No 12-year-old was going to drop dead during gym class. That it not no. didn't happen. So, but it doesn't matter how many times it happens. Again, that half of the country, they bought the narrative and they're going to believe whatever they say. And they're just going to look at us and say, you guys don't have any evidence. Okay. Yeah. It's it's yeah. sad situation. Well, you've written about the injustice systems. That's exactly what this is. I'm glad you brought up the Joe Vicks. No, I didn't cover that in the first hour. Um it just really goes to show you where you want a barometer of where we are. I mean, the, the so-called top legal mind, Alan Dershowitz, a couple of years ago, <laughs> said that uh, the government has the right to forcibly put you into a room and and, and stick a needle in yeah. your arm of yeah. an experimental genetic code injection. And he would argue it at the Supreme Court and win. I thought you just nullified your entire career and anything you've ever talked about with the Bill of Rights or the Constitution or the rule of law or common law, you just nullified all of that because you're obviously a stooge for the power structure. It's so yeah. obvious. And, uh, you know, there's you talk about these uh, egregious, outrageous sentences. And that's that's what this is. None of the people who are actually responsible for the psyop of J6 or whatever it is, you know, the 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 LARP with real consequences for a lot of good people. And um, I think that's pretty obvious now. And then some of those same people are raising money again. They're ready to ready to take the grift, uh, the mm -hmm. grift that keeps on uh, giving. Uh, Guard, your, your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, you know, seeing what happened to Joe and I don't know Joe personally, but as you say, you know, I know people who know Joe and uh, I've seen so many of the good things that Joe has done. And it makes it, it inspires one to reflect on all those other characters who already have been imprisoned in terrible, uh, terrible conditions for, you know, two and three quarter years. Uh, you know, the, what's this fallacy of a speedy trial to, you know, determined by whom? Oh, the people who are imprisoning you. Oh, OK. That really is a, a power imbalance right there. You know, so the, the whole thing is just absolutely ridiculous. Then you look at the immediate corrupt minds, the darkness in these people's hearts like Nancy Pelosi and others. And then the, the lack of integrity on the part of people like Donald Trump to see that these people are being treated this way and, and not even really speak out, let alone hand them a dime to try to help their legal defenses. You know, and and like Don said, you know, I've seen Joe Biggs in particular, just such great examples of a guy who believes in the human spirit in everyone, regardless of their national origin, their religion, their color, whatever. Um, and, you know, it just it's just terrible. And I also saw some of those comments, Don. And, you know, I was doing my streaming show last night and I didn't mention and I, I, I feel um, uh, I should have I should have mentioned uh, some of the absolutely vile, terrible things people were saying. And it just shows you the vitriol and hatred 
that they've been able to inspire among people who are just willingly ignorant yeah. of anything, you know, um, and, and it all, it's all my guy versus your guy. And um, um, John Stossel released a video uh, just before I went streaming last night at six. He put a video out that mentioned that both Trump and uh, and Biden are criminals. They have engaged in so much criminal activity that it's ridiculous. And to try to support either of them is to tarnish your own soul, your own reputation, your own integrity. So get out of it. Break out of it. Don't look at these people as your saviors. And again, you know, it's it's a, in a way it's a manifestation of the same sort of thing. You break everybody up and then you have them unite behind some great cause. In this case, the cause is their figurehead, uh, their totem. You know, it's just a new head on top of the totem. It's like Gilligan on top of that totem and Gilligan's <laughs> Island. You know, he's got the face of the God and he's just up there and everybody's going to, oh, you know, and then he falls down. They realize that he's just a person. You know, I didn't know it was that allegorical, but I guess Gilligan works on many, well, many levels. Right. <laughs> well, we're definitely in the politics of mugshots. I talked a little bit about that in the beginning of the show and, you know, Clearly, uh, you know, folks have uh, been, you know, pulled into this left-right paradigm, uh, and this makes it even more pronounced. I, I don't think, now, flip the script, uh, I don't think that the Republicans are going to be going after, especially if there's a Republican president, uh, I don't see how that's possible. I think Don's probably correct on this, that we've seen the last Republican president in our lifetime. I, you know, it, it's a selection, so you never really can tell. Uh, I, you know, if it's if it's if you're looking at demographics and politics and polling, then that's probably true. But you never know. But uh, I don't think you're going to see the same. I don't think you see it in reverse. I could be wrong. Um, you know, I don't the the House. Uh, they're you know toying with the idea of impeachment and investigations. That's usually the the right or so-called the Republicans are usually really good at just using a, a an issue and raising money, right? Uh, whereas the Democrats will go for the jugular. They'll, they'll, they'll send their, their DAs after you and the prosecutors yeah. and, the, and the Justice Department. And especially when you're talking about having a, an entire state within a state controlled uh, with continuity of these types of people that have been put in place, they're dependent on the system. So the system can't self-correct. Um, and I, I see this just uh, just looking at the headlines of Drudge. Uh, I'd love to get both of your takes on where we go from here with with this sort of these sort of uh, using lawfare, uh, persecution, and then the flip side of that, which is the profiting off of it. I mean, you got the 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 mug shot on mugs, uh, <laughs> selling them. What, what do you think, John? Yeah, I mean, that, and that's. I, I I cannot think that Trump is anything but an actor. But if he isn't an actor, I guess that would be part of this incredible personality, the likes of which few of us have ever met. This this childish ego, this juvenile sense of humor, uh, his name calling, and this cartoonish uh, desire to make everything about himself. I mean, the biggest narcissist you've ever seen. And so the entire thing is. Uh, and again, nobody questions. Like I remember uh, his buddy Lindsey Graham, his golf buddy, who doesn't agree with a single point he's ever raised and his, his good rhetoric, you know, his campaign rhetoric for 2016, Lindsey Graham opposes all of that. Mr. Open Borders, Mr. Wanted to shoot the J the January 6th protesters, things like that. But that's his golf buddy. And uh, 
as soon as he um, was prosecuted the first time, Lindsey Graham was on Fox News or something, immediately calling for people to send money to Donald Trump. And nobody questioned this. Why, why does Donald Trump need money? Even if his wealth is exaggerated, and a lot of people think it's exaggerated, so even if he's not a billionaire and he's only worth $800 billion, why would somebody that's worth $800 million struggle to, to find lawyers? But he, he certainly looks like he struggles for money because the, the attorneys he hires are the worst in the world. They had a thing last week. I didn't look at it much, but apparently one of his clownish attorneys uh, jumped up and did something to get the judge all fired up or whatever. And then he has that, uh, that attractive uh, young lady, who I'm sure he hired for her looks, that was uh, associated with a, a New Jersey garage or something. And, and how do you go from that to being an attorney for the president of the United States? That's the best he can do. Even, you know, even, even if he didn't raise a penny, but he's raising all this money, he certainly isn't uh, giving any of it to the J6 people. And we've talked about that. You know, I've talked about that many times. Why doesn't he, uh, and he doesn't even, it, worse than that, he doesn't talk about them. He doesn't mention them. And what the little attention he would pay to them would be to center it around himself. You know, I actually won. Uh, you know, they know I won. I won in a landslide. It's all about him, how they robbed him. But uh, they robbed these people of their freedom and they made them political prisoners. He's not going to pay it. We know that he, the people at his level don't actually go to prison unless it's part of the Trump and Stein show, which it might be. As I said, if they uh, they decide, hey, you know, we're going to we're just going to take America 2.0 into the stratosphere. We're going to go, you know, full banana republic here and we're going to have our president, you know, be from, you know, talking from prison. So, and then it'll still be excuse because then they'll have four more. Well, you know, what do you expect? Trump couldn't get anything done. They had him in prison. You know, how could he do anything? <laughs> it's like last time they were going after him. Now, well, what did you expect the guy to do? I get that all the time. You know, what, what do you expect him? He was under attack the entire time. Okay. Yeah, that's true. So uh, who knows what they're going to do? But it, this is, this is uh, this grifting thing. And you're seeing it uh, like this guy, Vivek Ramaswamy, who I like a lot of what he says. But I don't know if you saw a video came up this week that uh, and this is this was what makes people go down the rabbit hole. There's a video of uh, the Al Sharpton show on MSNBC back in the 90s. And uh, a young Vivek Ramaswamy just happened to be one of the people they called on in the audience. And they happened to call on another notable figure as well. The same show, young Pete Buttigieg. Now, what are the odds of that? That's like going back to 9-11 when one of the first witnesses they went out on the street to talk to was, and I can't, I always forget her name, Rachel something, uh, just happened to find this attractive girl on the street. Oh, let's talk to her. What do you think? Uh, she later would become one of Tiger Woods' most high profile mistresses. And that's the kind of things when you see these, because it's the odds are against that kind of thing ever happening where people, but it happens all the time to these things. So, uh, I think again, you know, you you look at that kind of stuff, and you uh, you see that this is why so many of us go down the rabbit hole, and there's we can't be blamed for doing it. And uh, so I, I don't I don't begin to understand what they're doing, especially when when you introduce Trump into the equation, and he's at the center of all this. That all bets are off because nothing is as it seems. I mean, you're you're in you know Wizard of Oz territory every time he steps in the room because it's just there's there's nothing that that works the way it should when Trump is there. You know, it's it's like is the simulation breaking down? I mean, central casting has you run out of ideas. We I mean, need get Guard Goldsmith working for the globalists to give him some more interesting. Yeah, things. yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The guy who's running the world coin 
who came up with the AI systems is named Sam Altman. I brought this up and made David laugh. It's called, his name is Altman. And then the guy who crashed the crypto system is Bankman and he's fried. So I thought that <laughs> and he's a, they're both the tale of two Sams and both Sam Altman and Sam Bankman. So uh, Gardalog, any thoughts on what Don has to say? And I know that you've got an update. Uh, I was texting with you before the show on that uh, issue that that David had texted me on yesterday. Yeah, sure thing. You know, I'm just thinking uh, I, I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like Sam. I am. <laughs> Who, who would have known that the doctor of Seuss could have been yeah. so handy? I get to mention Gilligan and Dr. Seuss in the same <laughs> half hour. It must be, you know, but it is amazing because it just shows you how ridiculous some of this stuff is, especially when people throw, you know, there's so much at stake. And, and you know, coming at it right now, analyzing it sort of after the fact, as we see what's been going on with Joe, we see what happened with the J6 people, we see the nefarious activity of people like, especially the Democrats, pushing, 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 pushing. Obviously, it serves many purposes. It serves to allow them to continue to demonize anybody who wants decentralization, call them white nationalists, call them white supremacists, you know, the same way they want, want to demonize parents who go to school board meetings because they don't want LGBTQ stuff in their mm -hmm. schools or whatever, um, and, you know, that sort of stuff. But, you know, it, it probably serves a purpose to mention also that as we look at this, it doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge that there were fishy, weird things that happened in the vote, in the election itself. It, you know, and to say you could say that almost any decade, the past 35 years or even longer than that in American history, that in some sort of vote, especially national votes, there was something weird that happened. Right. I mean, go back to the Kennedy election. Right. So, you know, all of these types of things, it doesn't mean that you can't you know, hold both thoughts and say, yeah. Um, there probably was something bad about the election. It's probably not going to be provable uh, because it's, you know, they, they set it up very easily with the mail-in ballots, which was Trump's fault. You know, he, he declared the emergency and then everything followed. The dominoes started to fall. It's like, no, don't put the dominoes down and, and you're set. Get, get away from it. Um, and I, I do think it's interesting, too. You know, you mentioned that this other story that David was following and, and you know, hats off to David to be following that that story. Um, because it sort of folds into the idea of, well, if you are at all a traditionalist, if you at all want decentralization, then you'll be demonized. And so the LGBTQ thing comes up, as, as you mentioned, this is this story that I was following. And um, it, the, the story has to do with um, something that was going to be happening on Saturday as in Tennessee, uh, they were going to have this uh, special event. And it was going to be happening at uh, Maryville College and the Blount County District Attorney General Ryan Desmond. I'm just uh, checking things out here, uh, threatened legal action because they were going to have this pride event and it looked like they were going to be uh, drag performers there. And it was going to be something that, where they were going to bring kids and they have an indecent exposure statute in front of lewd and lascivious behavior statute that this attorney general said. We're going to enforce this. Now, this is a school that gets state funding. It's not a completely private place. And even if it were, if you're engaging in a criminal activity and exposing kids to something that has a statute that prohibits it, then he is sworn to enforce the statute. 
So we were, uh, you know, David said uh, he was going to be trying to follow this. And Tony, you were trying to follow it. And you contacted me this morning and said, you know, let's make sure we keep up on this thing for the audience and so on. So I did some some looking around. And the latest that I've got is from the CBS affiliate uh, in Tennessee, in Knoxville. And the headline says ACLU files lawsuit against Blount County D.A. after legal threats over pride event the filing list christian artist and drag performer flamey flamey grant christian that's matthew lovegood is his real name and blount pride as the plaintiffs because you know it's totally conforms to the bible to do this so the aclu is now part of this they have filed a lawsuit in response to a letter from blount county district attorney general ryan desmond threatening legal action. So I last week you and I were communicating, it looked like it might have been canceled on for Saturday at Maryville College, but I'm not sure. And I don't know whether unofficially people will still show up and there'll be police problems or officially it's still going on. But right now, the latest that was updated on the 31st at 10, 1040 in the morning from this local TV affiliate has the district attorney sending the letter and the ACLU uh, responding. And it says here in the letter, Desmond said that he plans to enforce the Tennessee Adult Entertainment Act, also known as the anti-drag law. It's a law that went into effect in April, allowing criminal charges for anyone who puts on loosely defined adult oriented shows in public places or spaces where children might view them. The law has faced backlash and so on and so forth. Thomas L. Parker, a Trump appointed Trump appointed district judge in Shelby County, ruled that the law was unconstitutional in June due to an appeal filed by Tennessee Attorney General Jonathan Scrametti. Desmond has claimed that he has the legal authority to enforce the law in Blount County, which is outside of that judicial district where the law was seen to be unconstitutional. So the ACLU is filing a lawsuit and they're saying that that Desmond sent a threatening letter directly to Blount County Pride in Maryville College instead of making a public declaration that he intended to enforce the law. And um, so Desmond said that he was not trying to violate anyone's First Amendment rights. He said it was a notice. And the purpose of the notice was simply to give individuals reasonable and fair notice that there is a criminal statute that is still in effect in this jurisdiction. So we'll see what happens. Um, but it looks like he has given the warning. And um, if they engage in this activity, the police will be sanctioned to arrest people. So we'll find out what happens there. Well, well thank you for that update, Guard. I mean, I, I, this morning I was uh, looking at uh, the text that I was having with David yesterday. I thought, well, I'll get Guard to look at this. I'm a paratrooper who likes books and silver dollars, but uh, real journalism, I'll, I'll go to I'll go to Guard Goldsmith. Uh, so thanks. <laughs> thanks for that update. It reminds me of the meme that makes me laugh every time. I don't know if you've seen this meme, guys, but there's a there's one where you had one like it has like the the really caricatured out drag queen uh, story time person. And there's a goose that's following him around, like honking at him. And it says, why don't you uh, why don't you do this to the old people? Why aren't you doing this for the homeless? Why? And it just <laughs> keeps falling. Why is it just the kids? And it keeps getting louder. Why is it just the kids? I think we all know. 
right? Why yeah. is it? Why is it just the children for the child for the sake of the children? And, and you know, Tony, the the thing that gets me about that is, you know, I mentioned earlier the uh, uh, "Do Not Live by Lies," right? Uh, right. Uh, "Live Not by Lies" book based on the uh, speech by uh, Solzhenitsyn, and um, uh, it's interesting because this really is one of the one of the most powerful ways for collectivists to gain political power, to build the political power structure and psychologically to get everybody to say, we need some arbiter, we need somebody. So what they do is they constantly come up with or create new Davids, the new minority and you know people's goodwill and their kindness, especially women, you'll find women are the ones who are bringing the kids to these events. Yes. They say, well, we need to be understanding. you know. So they prey upon people's goodwill and their compassion to say, we want to be understanding of the outcast. We want to uh, uh, allow for that. So then they also have the other side of the coin, which is we don't like the person who stands against this. So they split people apart they create all these divisions. And of course, the only uniter, the place where you have to fight over everything is in the state. And so that is one of the reasons why I'm an anarchist to try to recognize all the time that it creates the tragedy of the commons, where anything that government gets involved with doesn't actually answer the question. It actually makes everybody argue over how those resources are going to be used. And the best way to actually recognize what people value is to get the government out of it, not have the government come up with standards over masks and six foot distancing. Just have people own private property. And if you don't like what they're doing, don't go there. And if you don't like what somebody might be doing when he comes into your place, don't let him in. But we can't do that now because everybody has seen that private property isn't private property in their eyes now, according to the government, especially since the 64 Civil Rights Act public accommodations portion. And again, what was that about? That portion was about compassion. We are going to now break down the concept of individual liberty and private property of people who started their own businesses and we're going to force people to accept people. And I'll give you a, one example that I mentioned on my show and I brought this up to David just in private conversation. Byron Allen, the big media mogul who started on Real People and so on, uh, stand-up comedian. He owns, I think it's Black Entertainment Television. He's one of the biggest entertainment moguls in the history of the world now, right? So get this, what I often tell people is if the government, can make everything equitable and fair by breaking down private property. And they say that anybody who owns a business must allow and do business with anybody who walks in because it's not really private property, it's public. And of course, public property really is that which has tax money pay, paying for it. But we're gonna make it, everything is de jure or de, de facto public property because you open your doors to the public, which is absurd. So let's say I have a backyard barbecue. Does that mean that the government can then ship people in there, right? You know, it's ridiculous. So, but that's their concept. If that's the case, then we know that trade is a two-way street. It's, it's a voluntary activity. So if I live, and I, I actually talked to a woman from Africa about this where I was working. I was like, if I live in a place that's 99.9% .9 not racist, and there's one uh, Nazi skinhead who, who works there, does that mean that he also not only has to cater to me if I walk in and I don't like him, if I'm, you know, some color that he doesn't like, but does it also mean that since he is now the minority, 
I have to do business with him when I walk by, right? Because I own my own property. I'm not trading with him. Where does this concept end? And this is where Byron Allen comes in. Byron Allen is suing McDonald's because McDonald's isn't advertising enough. In, in other words, buying enough of his advertising space on black entertainment television. <laughs> he set a quota to McDonald's and accusing them of racism because they're not walking into his shop to buy his stuff. And this is where it leads. There is no individuality anymore. They can break it down even to the point where, no, you haven't bought enough of this stuff. And they've already done it with health insurance, right? So where does it stop? It stops when people recognize that the government has every incentive to force you to have to do what the government says. And in every instance, they will create a new little guy that they've got to support and you've got to feel compassion for. They'll split everybody up and the answer is going to be the top-down authority at the top of the pyramid. They'll be the ones making the decisions. It's the way it always happens. Nothing says, I, I love my audience and I care about you like I want more McDonald's advertising revenue. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you, if you listen to my, my friend John Barber, who worked with Byron Allen, uh, he told me he's the biggest idiot he's ever met in his life. So I think <clears throat> against that, that says something for the magic of the marketplace that somebody that's stupid. I mean, John, John Barber cool. said he's the dumbest person he's ever met in his life. And he's be, you know, he's uh, because what I want to do uh, when we're talking about uh, this, first of all, I wish the ACLU would, would launch a lawsuit on behalf of the January 6th prisoners. But as I said a few years ago, they're not so much interested in the civil liberties thing anymore, no. the American Civil Liberties Union. But, uh, you know, they're more concerned with uh, racism and white supremacy. But, uh, you know, how many people remember flashers? Nobody talks about flashers anymore. Right. Uh, you know, my, my, you know, these these are guys who their sexual perversion was to was to flash themselves, usually in front of little girls. It happened to my sisters when they were young. Uh, I don't know where they are now, but, uh, you know, I, I, uh, why, based on this, why couldn't you have a flasher's parade? No, I mean, what, what is the difference? Uh, why couldn't they go out and get off of what the, cause this is obviously what the gay pride is doing. Otherwise, as, as you mentioned, you wouldn't exclusively want kids watching it. I mean, people with uh, <clears throat> any kind of a normal sex drive, uh, they don't want little children involved unless they want to do something with those little children sexually. Otherwise, they don't fit into the equation. Why are you here? You, you don't need to be saying this. You know, I've got an, I've got an SNM fan, fantasy here, but I, I don't want little kids around. That kind of ruins it. You know, I mean, that's it. But to them, they want it there, obviously. What is the difference between, can you imagine any mothers doing that? Let's go down to the Flashers Parade. And there's no pride. They're not dressing up anything. These are your heterosexuals, but they're obviously really perverted. And they want to expose themselves to little girls. You got to bring your little daughters, though. Little boys, eh, they, don't really, they don't really get off on that. Obviously, we know what that would be. They would, uh, that, they would be arrested. The indecent exposure would be instantly enforced. Uh, what, but it's, this is what I've talked about all the time. The, it's what we need to look at with all the pride stuff and the transgender stuff. Is it, It's all based on... Home, some kind of homosexual thing, because the idea is to stop births. This is a eugenist thing. The idea is to stop possible procreation. So if you get little girls to become little boys, little boys become little girls, no birth is possible. If you have, uh, you know, if you have crazy, and, and Matt Walsh has said, and I agree with him completely, any mother that takes her child, a little, a little kid, to a, it's almost always a little boy, to one of these drag strip shows should be locked away for life. 
I mean, that 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 is a massive crime. That's the. I mean, she might as well be sexually abusing her child to do that. That's mad. It's incredibly abusive. But nobody's looking at that. And if you watch, uh, Garden is exactly right. It's it's the mothers always. There may be some fathers there going right on, but there's no single father doing this. The mothers always front and center because they're the one buying this propaganda. And this is uh, this is insidious. But we need to look at it that. If this was just a thing where, because people talk about pedophilia and stuff, if this was just a thing where they wanted just to have sex with children, then uh, you would you would see a national girl love association, they, like NAMBLA. NAMBLA is an organization that is advocating illegal stuff, and they've been around for decades. And no, I don't see any. Do you, are any church groups uh, assembled outside NAMBLA headquarters, wherever that is? No, this is all about homosexual activity. Otherwise. You would have, uh, you would not just have uh, little boys pretending to be girls, and they're celebrated nine, eight, nine, ten years old, stripping in gray in clubs. Again, you talk about illegal, and men are throwing dollar bills at them. But what would happen if that was an eight, nine year old girl going to a real a strip club where biological females strip, and men were throwing dollar bills at her? Do you think the, you, the, the obviously the the uh, reaction would be way different? And I'm not suggesting that they do that. That would obviously be awful too. But this is all about pushing the gay agenda about grooming. And that's why you see it's all little boys pretending to be girls are front and center, crazy, deranged mothers pushing this, and to the point where indecent exposure laws. Well, I mean, if you I mean, I, I think if you still have sex in public or something in most places, they would arrest you for that. But it's all out the window with the gay pride thing, without the transgender thing. They do what they want. If, if their stuff falls out and they're shaking it in front of uh, the littlest kids, this is pride, baby. This is gay pride. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not coming out for flasher pride, but I would like to see if they had a flasher's parade or something like that, what the reaction would be. First of all, there wouldn't be any mothers taking their kids to that, but it's the same thing, isn't it? Adult men, show, you know, exposing themselves to little kids. But, you know, we don't look at it that way, but they, they, they dress it up in this pride thing. And it's absolutely ridiculous because they, you know, they, what, what are you proud of? What, what is there to be proud of? Isn't pride a sin? And uh, this is this is nothing to be proud of. But, uh, you know, this is this is our world now. Pride. I, I wouldn't be surprised if all the flashers just were either, either elected to Congress or went to work for the IRS. <laughs> One of the two. Maybe TSA. Maybe I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah, Maybe yeah. TSA. Hey, can I, no, can I ask you guys a question? I'm sort of curious uh, what you think about this. Uh, you know, I, I look at this as operating on on two two levels that sort of all are are under one overall supernatural agenda. Um, the The purpose of a lot of this seems to be to remove individual agency, um, to remove the ability of the individual to be able to exercise his own morals, build his own ethics with other individuals, whether it be person to person or small groups, small towns, decentralization. This tends to be all of it. And to answer to the artifice, the artificial, the non-human. And I think that that is a very satanic agenda. And um, I so you, when you see the breakdown of, of tradition of men and women and families and growth and things like that, depopulation agendas, 
a lot of the things that they use also seem to serve this other purpose, which is to dehumanize and de-agency individuals, to ruin individuality. Because if individual and and what's weird is they do it with a sort of recursive supposed support for individuality. And I was born this way sort of thing. But it's all about conformity. That's actually what it's about. So in order so they claim that they're promoting individuality when really what they're doing is removing individual agency to decide about right and wrong. And they're using these people that they put forward as the victims, cultural victimhood, which has been going on for ages. It's one of the reasons why I detest Oprah Winfrey's book club. That show is just a cesspool of I'm celebrating my victimhood and overcoming victimhood. And I'm still a victim and everybody's a victim. So we're going to recognize victimhood and we're going to overcome it. But there's going to be constant victimhood. So we have to make sure we fight the people who are victimizing people. It's like, no, you're friggin' victimizing people. Okay, why don't you stop that? And this is the sort of thing that where they are really attacking individual sovereignty. And I think there is a very, very dark agenda behind it, breaking down the family and at the same time also breaking down the human quality of forming your own voluntary bonds with people. And there seems to be many facets of this. And I think a lot of it is removing individual agency and replacing it with the artificial. I agree with that entirely. I mean, it's, it's to replace the system, uh, to supplant the, the family, tradition, God, uh, all the things that to make a civilization possible. It's just to tear down the very fabric of our existence. And uh, no, I'm, I'm with I'm with you 100 percent, Gard. And uh, Don, I know we got about uh, two and a half minutes or so before uh, Charlie Robinson jumps on. I'd love for you to tell people where they can find you. Uh, well, again, it's uh, Donald Jeffries at Media is my website, Donald Jeffries at Substack.com. I, I protest just like my show, uh, which will be later today, 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it's the place to go because I, uh, I'm shadow banned on Facebook. I'm shadow banned on Twitter. My book, Masking the Truth, is being shadow banned everywhere. They're playing games of that that uh, you just wouldn't believe. It's still not showing up in the world. It, 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 you, know, you can't even find the copy that they sent to the we sent to the Library of Congress and the libraries there. Although a few libraries have taken it now, but uh, it's it's you got to break their algorithms down, and they're trying to stop. And that includes most of the alt media, most of the big. Thank goodness for David Knight, but a lot of the big names uh, know about the book, and they're just. They're refusing to talk about it because they're, you know, they're they're holding on, clinging to that lab leak theory. And, you know, I'm talking about the dancing nurses in the empty hospitals and why the border wasn't closed. Uh, that doesn't uh, equate to a, a deadly virus. Uh, you know, society wouldn't act that way. But uh, so that's where people can find me. And uh, obviously later today, again, on, on uh, uh, Rockfin on my YouTube channel, you'll be able to listen to I protest 5 p.m. Eastern. Well, I'll be producing, so that'll be yes, fun. and and produced by the great Tony Ardburn. So you know it's a great show. Can't can't wait, uh, Guard. Uh, by the way, thank both of you gentlemen for being here. It made second hour just great. I mean, uh, you, you can't replicate these two minds. I mean, just putting you two guys here, just having the the uh, the, the exchange of ideas. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's been thank it's you. been awesome. Uh, Guard, tell people where they can find you. Well, absolutely. And thanks again, Tony and Don, for both your work. And of course, David and the family, just great. The David Knight Show, thedavidknightshow.com and uh, davidknight.gold. And uh, I, I just want to remind people again, uh, if they want to get the um, Trends Journal, if they use the code Knight, they get 10% off the yearly subscription for David Knight fans and listeners and so on. Um, and Don, just want to let you know, as a little reference to some of my work, Tony, 
So the bulk of my work is for MRC TV and I do articles uh, and videos for MRCTV.org. And so you can find their Rumble channel now, which is not censored at just look up MRC TV, the Media Research Center. And Don, in one of my most recent videos, I got to mention so many of the great books that have been published about the COVID-19 pandemic, so-called uh, pandemic. Uh, and we got to flash the cover of Masking the Truth up there along with oh, the real Anthony you. Fauci and uh, a number of other things like Jeffrey Tucker's book, um, Lockdown or Liberty, Liberty or Lockdown and things like that. So we get to flash the cover up there for a few more thousand people. So that was good. I appreciate and, that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great book. And um, and so um, my Substack is Gardner Goldsmith, uh, G-A-R-D-N-E-R Goldsmith. And um, people can check that out. And then I've got fiction at Amazon and Barnes and Noble, a uh, novella called Bite, which has short stories in it. More more stuff is going to be coming out. And then if uh, people are interested, every Monday through Friday at uh, 6 o'clock, uh, they can check out Liberty Conspiracy. And the show runs usually an hour and a half. It's um, never shorter than that unless, you know, something is happening power-wise or something with our great power monopoly here. Um, we usually go for two hours. And, um, and then if they are interested, they can watch after the fact on Rumble, on Rockfin, and um, occasionally on... Um, on YouTube and on BitChute when I know that they're not going to be censored. And the last thing I'll mention is that if people want to follow me, it's at guard Goldsmith over on Twitter or X or whatever. Awesome. Thank, thanks so much for joining us, gentlemen. Thanks guys. Take thanks care. guys. Take care. Right. Bye. Well, before I bring on uh, my final guest for the show, uh, I wanted to do, I haven't put on any commercials. Uh, this, again, this is where it comes in handy to have a Travis and uh, actually actually have a, a schedule break system. But we've just been powering through them, having a blast. Uh, always an honor to host for the, for the great David Knight. But I wanted to plug a little bit. Uh, of course, those of you who watch the show and uh, know who I am, I, I proudly sponsor the David Knight Show with davidknight.gold which will take you to my company, which is Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. Um, I started this company because I, I felt like there needed to be, especially for me, when I started buying gold and silver, I felt like I was always in a guessing game. Uh, they wanted to, people would I bought coins from, and not always, but it seemed like that was the bulk, especially for like a walk-up location. Uh, they wanted to know how much I knew uh, before I was to purchase something or sell them something. And I always thought, I, when I start my shop, I do something like this. I'm going to educate people. So we don't have a minimum. We don't turn you away. If you only have $20, we'll figure out how to get you $20 worth of metals. Um, and, of course, we don't have a maximum either. So we're, we're a shop that can deal nationwide. Uh, if you've got a 401K or an IRA and you're thinking about getting out of the casino stock market or something not tied to this system, uh, which, you know, again, uh, do your research. It may be very wise for you to do that, especially to – hedge against uh, the kind of damage that's been done to our dollar and then what's going to continue to happen to the dollar. Uh, we can roll those into physical precious metals. And then we have Wolfpack. Um, so not only can you buy direct or roll over a product like a 401k or an IRA, but you can get into a system of monthly membership. We buy your metals for you, send it directly to your door. Uh, it's different every month. Uh, I've been, I have my location here in Denison, Texas. We've been buying product all week to stack, uh, put into Wolfpack. Branson's been buying products put into Wolfpack. Um, but yeah, don't say you can't afford uh, precious metals because you absolutely can uh, with Wolfpack. I mean, you start as little as $50 a month. And then we have a program for kids called Wolf Cub. 
And uh, so that's enough plugging. So go to wolfpack.gold, davidknight.gold. You can check out all of that and uh, help support the program. Just uh, click on the David Knight for credit on Wolfpack. So I'm bringing on the author of The Octopus of Global Control, the uh, controlled demolition of the American empire, hypocrisy, a host of uh, macro aggressions, one of the best podcasts out there, uh, one of the biggest podcasts out there, most informative. If you're a thinking person, macro aggressions, pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. And so I, I texted Charlie yesterday. I said, I'm third hour, David Knight show. What do you say? And he's like, absolutely. I'm there because he's the my friend, Billy Ray Valentine, our mutual friend, hardest working man in alternative media. And so I was looking through uh, uh, your podcast and I, I listened to this last one. Uh, it came out about a week ago. Uh, episode number 362, the federal management emergency. And I love the way you opened up is the American public was mortified to hear that former president George W. Bush thought that FEMA head Michael Brown, remember Brownie? He's doing a heck of a job at handling Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. But the truth is, his job might not have been what we thought it was. And uh, that was a great opening to what you were talking about with FEMA. And that kind of goes back to the, the, you know, the 90s were full of this. Like you had the X-Files and real. I and mean, there's a lot of great research that went on. I mean, the FEMA really started under Carter, right? I wanted you to talk a little bit about kind of just a deviation from a little bit of the headlines, but this does tie into like what we're seeing now uh, in Hawaii and, and other places. And uh, so anyway, wel welcome to the show, Charlie. Welcome to David Knight's show. And uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, thank you for having me. And before we get started, I am a Wolfpack member myself. And I'll have you know that two weeks ago, I had to... I had so much silver that you'd been sent over the, the last year, I guess, right when it started, I signed up that I had, I was like, okay, I have to organize this. It's there's too much. I had it in a box and realized it needed to go into different boxes. And it's been such a benefit to me as somebody that doesn't really know the ins and outs. So I know I need silver. I know I need gold. I know, but you were, you're able to send me the things that I don't even know that I need. And I appreciate that. So there, I just wanted to piggyback off of that because, Thank because I, I do, appreciate i do really like when the little black box shows up with the with silver in it it's kind of cool so uh but back to fema boy i'll tell you if you if you if you look at fema and you and there's something inside you that goes are you guys supposed to help in emergencies or make it worse you know if if that's the thought you have go with it you're on the right track. I have come to discover that FEMA is, um, boy, I'll tell you, they can't, they really can't do a worse job than they're doing. And it, it happens so frequently with such regularity and they get caught off guard all the time. They're always caught off guard by hurricanes. It's more just completely baffled that there's a hurricane hitting Florida. They were they uh, with Hurricane Andrew. <clears throat> they described themselves as being unprepared. They're unprepared for a hurricane in Florida. I mean, it's not like I and I said in the episode, I could understand if a hurricane hit Seattle and you were unprepared. I could totally understand that. Um, but like there's a thing called hurricane season. You don't even need, I mean, it's like half the year. So like half the year, you can send those people home and, and then go on vacation, do whatever. But, but during hurricane season, I don't know, have a plan for Florida, 
have a plan for New Orleans. Don't act so surprised when when the hurricane comes up. You know, Michael Chertoff, that scumbag that used to run DHS, he waited 36 hours before he declared uh, the hurricane an incident of national significance. Again, hurricane in Seattle, I get it. Random earthquake that comes out of nowhere that isn't being caused by harp, let's just say, just a natural one. I could get it. I, I could, you know, it in a place where maybe you don't expect it. Obviously, if it's California, you've got fault lines, you know where these where these earthquakes are going to be. But they were unprepared for a hurricane in New Orleans. And if you know anything about the geography of, of New Orleans, it's right at, you know, it's at the, the back of the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, it gets hit by hurricanes. This is not a surprise. It's not breaking news. It's not something that's just started happening. This is the way. And on top of all of that, we have satellite radar. You have four days advance notice to know that a hurricane's coming. Now, I get it. There's different directions and they run those hurricane trackers and it shows there's like 18 different ways it can go. But still, when you've got a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico that is more than likely going to hit New Orleans, I'm not accepting their excuse that they're, quote, overwhelmed during Katrina and Hurricane Andrew in, in 92 as well. So, so you know, the thing is that you you watch this and you go, you know, Bush is famous. Brownie, you're doing a heck of a job. Re- really? That made me question, if Brownie's doing a heck of a job, maybe we're unclear on what the job really is, Tony. No, it's a, it's a good question. I think Chertoff was more interested in scanning your body than scanning for hurricanes. Uh, yeah. So, for, for sure on that one. Yeah, no, it, it, this is... This is where we really have to dig deep as researchers because it seems like some of these agencies that we do know, like for different documents like Rex 84 and some of these other things, like continuity of government, they use these agencies to preserve their power. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and again, protect, protect the government, all the rest. Uh, they can be both nefarious and completely incompetent. And you have to wonder, is the incompetence on purpose? Is it meant to make us feel like there is? I mean, again, I don't trust the government to come help me. Uh, you, you talk. I mean, Hurricane Katrina is a glaring example of that. But have they ever done? They seem to not ever be able to predict. Like you said, hurricane. There's hurricane season. You know where it, basically where the where the hurricanes are. I mean, in a general vicinity of where they're going to hit and all the rest and the damage is usually going to happen. You're going to have some warning, but they they get it wrong and it's it's really um one of those one of those areas as researchers where we look at something like fema we look at something like the continuity of government and uh how they use these agencies uh and use the power of an emergency to strip you of your liberties i mean look at what happened uh in new orleans with gun confiscation yes right right that was a real thing happening in real time because of these emergency edicts and so on people complied with it coming down from the federal government so there's that, that that went really well for them. Like they were able to do that, but they can't also get food and water and direct people to the proper right. shelter. So it's, it's, it is a mixed bag, isn't it? Yeah. And it happens. It happens everywhere. I mean, what about the Puerto Rico uh, hurricane as well, where they had um, people that desperately needed water and they had a warehouse filled with pallets of water and they couldn't get the two together. They couldn't find it. You know, it's like, at, at some point, you have to you have to ask: Is the incompetence a cover story for a nefarious 
component to this. You know what I mean? Like I, I hate, I, there is that old adage, you know, never, uh, uh, what is that? never attribute to malice what can be attributed to incompetence. But I've seen so much, inc- well, these people are both though. They're both incompetent and malicious. And so where is, is where the Venn diagram of incompetence and maliciousness intersects in a place? And I'm curious, you know, like every time FEMA gets an opportunity to, to step up, they, 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 they fail. And, and so I started to wor- wonder about this, you know, I, I remember hearing Oliver North's name. I mean, I knew what he looked like, but I was 12 when he was going through, you know, when, when all these things were going on, I would, but I remember that he was a big deal. And then as I got older and got more into this sort of, uh, I don't know, these topics, I remember hearing about Rex 84, readiness exercise 84, meaning 1984. Um, and, and so you dig into this and it was a big, it was a big to do about Rex 84. When I was like, well, that, well, what is it exactly? And what it was, was it was two parallel simulations that were running at the same time. One of them was um, Night Train, which was a fake simulation or, or a simulation of uh, invading a Central American country. Oh, I don't know, like Nicaragua. And, and then the Rex 84 component was FEMA's uh, r- response when the general public finds out about this deeply unpopular thing that the government is doing in Central America, the public's going to have a problem with it and rise up. And Rex 84 was their solution to the problem of people rising up. And their, and and the solution for it was concentration camps. You know, so when people start going, oh, you guys with your talk about FEMA camps and and, and, and all this stuff, get out of here with that. It's not, I'm not, it's not conspiracy theory. It's conspiracy analysis. This is what was going on. This was, this was coming up on 40 years ago and Oliver North was deeply involved. And the guys that were part of this, um, Louis DeFrito who was running FEMA and a, another guy named John Brinkerhoff. They, these were the guys that created Rex 84 and they were trying to, uh, make the case and bring in people. They brought in a guy from the war college who had, um, um, who who was whose paper when he was in college was talking about rounding up people and putting them in camps but in his in his document in in his college document it was african american people so it was like really bad right and so you would think oh automatic disqualification no they brought this guy in and said run it run it for us right and so i i've gotten to the point where i said okay there is incompetence with fema I get this, but what about Rex 84? You know, that's a nefarious plan. And so if that is going on in the background, then I have questions, Tony. <laughs> I always have questions, but they're, 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 I, I could have just said, Michael Brown is incompetent. He was the wrong guy for the job. And George W. Bush was complimenting him because he's also incompetent. And, and together they, they, you know, they probably thought they were doing a good job. I could maybe sort of get on board with that and just say it's incompetence. But the, the, the further I dig into FEMA, the more I don't like what I see. And, and the fact that they have, that their control mechanism comes from the president and not Congress is a problem because you, you wind up finding that this is, this becomes a weaponized bureau where, um, 
they're always involved in something, you know, like when the, when the emergencies come. And, and I think when you, you mentioned like the gun grabbing during Katrina, I think they got a, a, a little test run with that one where they could say, oh, this works really well in an emergency, but it's a hurricane. So we have kind of a limited time span on how long this emergency will last. At some point, it kind of it, it, it's over. Right. But what if it wasn't over? What if we could make the emergency last forever? And we could we could rule through emergency. And so then you you know, and that's 2000, what, 2006 when Katrina happened, 2005. Um, yeah, you 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 go, well, they put that on the back burner and realized it's easier to run this place under emergency decree. Then that way we can take the guns. You go, oh, well, you, we have an amendment. You can't. take. Oh, no, 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 no. It's an emergency, though. Oh, an emergency. Well, then here, here are my guns. Right. So you see this with COVID. You see the same mentality thinking like, well, geez, I mean, we could tell all these people what to do, but, you know, they might not do it. But if we create an emergency, well, then they have to do what we, we want them to do. And so it, 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 it made me feel like um, less comfortable with this being just an incompetent government bureaucracy that's bogged down with red tape and no accountability. And it made me think that I think that ultimately, I think that is a cover for the nefarious actions that are going on. I mean, two, the two things can be happening simultaneously. You could be doing both, but, but there, there definitely is something going on behind the scenes that, um, that FEMA is involved with. Well, I think the most malevolent use the most incompetent, right? that's their figure that's their puppets yeah. their favorite puppet is the you know you, you know he and george bush w bush tells uh michael brown brownie doing a heck of a job i mean i just kind of have an image of satan like saying the same thing to george w bush doing a heck of a job you know uh, <laughs> right. that's a great, those uh, w, w you're doing a heck of a job down there did a great job seven and a half minutes uh waiting for my pet goat to finish uh <laughs> while america's oh. under attack yeah um no you're you're right and and that's that's really the, you know, on the surface level, it looks like, wow, they're so incompetent. Like you look at TSA, it's like, have you stopped a hijacker? Have you, you know, have you done anything besides grope uh, grandma and uh, slow down everything and make traveling just unbearable? I mean, have you done anything? Uh, the answer is no, but they continue to ha harness more and more power, more and more surveillance, more and more data is grabbed through that. So yeah, on the surface level, you got this incompetent thing that really isn't Again, the, the invisible enemy, Charlie, and you and I are going to be speaking uh, next weekend yep. uh, in in New York City on this great panel that uh, I mean, it's just an honor to be a part of for Free World NYC. And we're going to be talking about this. I mean, again, of invisible enemies. We can't stop it. Oh, we, you know, NORAD stands down because you can always get, uh, you know, uh, people that live in caves get NORAD to stand down all the time. I don't know if you knew that, Charlie, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, a complete hijacking of our defense systems, all that, just, you know, uh, the order still stands from Dick Cheney. Hijackers can do that, too, uh, from the Middle East or from caves in Afghanistan. So, yeah, the invisible enemy and we can't help anything. And we're just this pitiful giant. But also the flip side of that was the Patriot Act. Yeah. Right. So we it, war forever. Uh, seven countries in five years. They didn't quite make it, but they kind of did. It uh, wasn't exactly what Wesley Clark was told, but it came pretty close. Uh, all of it was criminal and dangerous and murderous and has stripped us of what was left of the tattered Constitution. So, yes, you get you get both of these things. You get incompetence. No one was fired for 9-11, which should be a tell, right? Like someone should have lost some employment somewhere. 
No one did. Um, because if you open up that can of worms and you have to do an investigation and you, did you just get the 9-11 report that uh, originally the Bush administration wanted to offer up $3 million in funding. Uh, the the uh, 9-11 families were outraged. They made it $13 million. And I'd have to point out to the audience that the inauguration of George W. Bush, the second one, cost $30 million. So that's how much they care about real information. And uh, real. by the way, Building 7 is not in the 9-11 report. And I'm sure we'll be talking about Building 7 uh, coming up here at Free World uh, NYC and go to eventbrite.com. Come meet Charlie. I mean, I'll be there, but you get to meet Charlie Robinson. I got to meet Charlie <laughs> Robinson. I was at, with the American Liberty Awards. And I'm going, I can't believe I'm sitting talking to Charlie Charlie Robinson, you know, we're having we're having a, a after show conversation and uh, with Brad from Five Times August. Yes. <laughs> By the way, this is how we talk in, in in private as well. We just talk. We do the show basically. Just talk ideas. And, uh, but, but yeah, you're so right, and that's why I thought this was a was a great episode. And uh, you know, people should go check out your podcast, Macroaggressions. There's more. There's tons of this stuff. Yeah, well, there's a there's a part in this Rex 84 where they talk about that they want to test military assistance in civil defense. And I go, martial law? Military assistance in civil defense. We're talking martial law. So they want to role play these things in advance. And so, um, you know, listen, I, I'm 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 with and then the you mentioned the 9-11 commission report or 9-11 omission report. You remember who they wanted to put to run that thing at first, right? For lasted for about two weeks. Old Heinrich, old Heinz Kissinger was going to be in charge of that. And then the the mom, the the wives just said, "You got to get out of here with that guy. Like we're not listening to this. Is crazy that you that you think." Um, but that's how little they think of you, of ever of all of us. That that we'll just oh you want you want answers for nine eleven we're gonna put okay we got a guy that, that he's gonna get right to the bottom of it ladies and gentlemen welcome Henry Kissinger he's gonna get out of here like the Warren Commission here's Alan Dulles <laughs> yeah yeah we're gonna tell you how it all happened here great yeah but this is this is what you do when you're being run by criminals <laughs> you know that 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 don't that don't um, you know I think that that over the last couple of years people have started to the the we all all kind of understood this but like the normie crowd that's starting to come to this realization that the government that they live under not only doesn't love them but in fact actually despises them and and they and they they're so resentful of us they think that this governing business would go so much better if it wasn't for all these stupid people that they had to deal with right you know they just they just feel like you get this feeling that that they feel that we're taking up too much space on their planet. Like the roles have been reversed. This used to be that we're the people and we'll put this little government together to kind of help represent us, the people, but that's gone. I mean, the, the government doesn't represent the people at all these days. In, in fact, the government thinks that the people work for them, you know? And so the, 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 the roles have been reversed and what's, and, and that's obviously terrifying and, and horrific, but what's the, I think maybe the most devious component of this is that they've gotten the general public to agree to it. And, and, and now that, now that we're subjugated under the, you know, under the boot of the government, there's a lot of people that say, you know, stomp on me harder, daddy. You know, they, they, they want to be told what to do by the government. And that this, a, a sort of a lack of 
you know, take the, take all the burden off of me. I don't want any responsibility. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Thinking's hard. Um, you know, I don't know what I want. You tell me television, you tell me Joe, uh, Joe Biden, you tell me what, what I need to do for medically to take care of my body. I, I, I when you outsource your thinking to the government, you, you really can't, you can't complain. You can't act surprised when you, when you get poor results. Cause that's what they're, that's, that's what they think of you. So the relationship between the government and the people has all, you know, has been bad for a while, but I think lately a lot of people that maybe were asleep at the wheel have come, you know, have come to realize this. So if we're going to take anything good out of what we've gone through with the, with the, the, the latest version of the invisible enemy, you know, one day it was terrorism and then it's COVID. Now we, now we know we're moving into carbon, another invisible enemy that's just around the corner. Tony's going to kill you. You can tell you, unless you pay more taxes for it. Um, we, I think a lot of people are like, this all seems very fake and dis, disjointed. So I, I kind of, you know, the good thing about having incompetent people in positions of power is that it, it, over time, eventually it becomes obvious to everybody that these people are incompetent. So, uh, or maybe not the incompetent, the incompetent people don't realize that the other people are incompetent. That's Dunning Kruger. I don't know. Um, but this, right. this is kind of, this is kind of, this is kind of, you know, the stupid people are too stupid to realize that they're stupid. That sort of, that sort of thing. Um, but, but it's been, you know, look, it, I wish we didn't have to go to New York next week. I wish we didn't have to have these conversations, but the, and there's nothing we can do to, to reverse what happened with nine 11, except to make sure that we don't ever allow something like that to happen again. And, and unfortunately I think a lot of people don't really understand that, you know, 22 years almost Tony. And, 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 and I, and there's a segment of the population that still think 19 Arab hijackers with box cutters did it. You know I mean? It's like, and they call us conspiracy theorists. <laughs> that's, the, okay. that's the biggest conspiracy theory I've ever heard. Oh, really? 19. I mean, if, if, if the, if the official story of 9-11 was that planes got struck by lightning and, and, and that was and everybody accepted that. And then I came out with a theory that 19 Arab hijackers with box cutters did it. It flew wildly off course with nobody bothering them. They would fit me for a straitjacket immediately and a tinfoil hat. But 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 because it was the first story that people heard and it was the official story. People bought it, even though it's disconnected from reality. So if 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 we're going to have these events, like we we're going to talk about nine eleven, since we can't change the past, what we can do is we can get people to look at things differently in the future, so that they they recognize this when they see it, or they recognize the building blocks of where we're going before you see. You know, I think a lot of people did this with Ukraine, with this Ukraine war. They're like, this feels like. You know, you, you can almost feel like the false flag. You can sort of sense it. And like people that don't do this for a living, we're like, oh, there's false flags. We're like, you know about false flags now? I'm talking to my normie friends. Like, you know about it? Like, this feels like a false flag. I'm like, okay, you know, like, let's go. Like, so there's a pe- there's a, a group of people waking up. And and if you're aware of this, you know, I feel like you can never be unaware of it afterwards. Once the light goes on, you you see it, whether you want to or not. Yeah, once you expand, once your mind expands, it can't contract back to where you were when you believed this kind of stuff. And uh, I mean, we're all guilty of buying into some sort of mainstream narrative at some point. I mean, I've gotten better at over the years. I arrived here like like you did. I mean, you just 
you read history, because past is prologue, you know, if you read history, then, and especially if you dive a little deeper, ask a few more questions, what you find is it's not what you were taught. The narrative starts to break down. It's one of the most important things that we do and you do on this, on your show and David does here on, on David Knight's show. Just get people to think a second time. Just think one more time. Do it again. You know, thought experiment like 9-11. You know, you have three buildings collapse into their own footprint uh, in two planes. Not that a plane will make it do that anyway. You know, I was uh, talking about on my show the other day. I was like, you know, the, there was a, was it a B-29 or B-27 bomber that flew into the side of the uh, Empire State Building in the 1940s? Didn't collapse, you know, did, didn't burn down and just, you know, it was, it was a fire. It was a, and that's a big plane. Uh, and I think the the World Trade Centers were were built to withstand a uh, 737. Yeah. Um, and again, that what that what does that mean? Does withstand? It means like it stays intact and it's not, you know. And it, David tells the story all the time because when he heard about 9/11, uh, he had radio, so he thought they were like collapsing and falling over. Because as an engineer, you would think, okay, well maybe it got so bad, like there was so much structural damage that it started to collapse. But you would never think that this this perfect <laughs> a symmetrical collapse into its own. That's impossible. impossible. It's impossible. And um, you just have, you finally have to arrive at that. This, you know, and people, people are waking up. Um, you know, you go back, you talk about an emergency. Uh, Trump's executive order, uh, Friday the 13th, March 2020, that went way past a thousand days. Remember, it was two weeks to flatten the curve. And that survived into way into Joe Biden's presidency. So, yeah, they do use emergencies. And the question is, is, you know, there's the overt. Because I think if we ran a thought experiment and asked, you know, in 2020, if Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton was president, would we have uh, locked down with their with the states and all these petty potentates? Would they have followed? I, I don't think so. I don't think it would have gone that way. It's the trust the plan, trust the man. We're OK. 4D chess. It reminds me. We get to do the coolest things, folks, like we get I was on air live with uh with don jeffries and g edward griffin and i had oh. i got to tell g, g edward griffin that i you know read the creature from jekyll island and uh he was one of the people that inspired me to go into the gold and silver business i'm telling this to g edward griffin right and we asked him like what's the what's one thing you really like to impart so this is coming from a you know he's in his 90s and a wise wise man I've been around a long time seen a lot and i think one of them the most genuine human beings on the planet. Yeah. And he says, beware of controlled opposition. It's the number one enemy. You know what that means? I mean, beware, beware of someone who seems to be on your side, but is actually playing for the other side. And because that's where we get into trouble, Charlie. Like all these emergencies and all the things that can be used, we as thinking people and those of us, especially, you know, those who value voters and Christians and people that love the Constitution, libertarian, whatever. If you don't like the if you don't like the thing, you know, the thing right with with uh, Joe Biden, if you don't like yeah. that, um, you're you're subject to this. And we have to be very careful. We don't have many heroes. I mean, anybody, anybody that's going to get elevated to where a mass of people knows about it's very few of those folks are going to be actually on your side. So I think in the the danger, in the emergencies and uh, all the things that roll out, we have to be careful of, I think just hidden in that is the chance that we will fall prey to that as well, where somebody's on my side and they're really not. It's true. And, and I, 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 poor Ed, I, I got, 
I had a layover in in Mexico City, uh, going to Anarcapulco with him, and and I didn't know him, and it was my first. I was it was 2019. I was on my way there. He was going to be speaking. I was going to be speaking, and I I said to him, "Hey, I'm." Uh, he was just kind of sitting there waiting for for our flight talk from Mexico City to Acapulco. We had like an hour. Poor guy, I talked his ear <laughs> off. I mean, <laughs> felt so bad. But I had a million questions. I said, "Hey, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be seeing you speak uh, tomorrow." He goes. He looks at me. and He goes, "Sorry to hear that." You know, <laughs> he's just he's a fun guy, and and we we talked about a, a quite a bit of uh, you know a kind of. When you've got the guy that wrote the creature from Jekyll Island sitting next to you and he can't go anywhere. And you, I, I mean, I was respectful, of course, but I had questions. And so we, we talked about a lot of stuff. And I, and I, when, when he, when he, he says to be careful of controlled opposition, boy, I mean, we're getting into a, a another election cycle in case you didn't notice it's coming. <laughs> and, uh, and you want to talk about controlled opposition. I mean, I, you, you go, well, this guy's saying what I want to hear. He's saying the things he's doing that, you know, he's doing all that. And you go, but, but, you know, I've heard these things before. You guys have told us this stuff before. I know. Or, or it's a, it's a, it's a new flavor. And you go, oh, I like this new flavor. I've never seen this new flavor. Ramaswamy flavor. This is interesting. Tell me more about it. And you go, and then you go, well, he was a world economic forum, young global leader. And you go, well, that's an automatic disqualification. Go, well, you got it. He got a letter saying from them saying that he's not. And I go, really? Klaus Schwab made that, wrote that letter for him. That's that to me sounds like what you would do if you were like, I'm not in the club. Wink, wink. Here's my letter. You know what I mean? Like, so unfortunately for me, I don't trust any of them. I just, my default mechanism is I don't trust anything you guys say you're going to need to show me. And, and, and Trump did that for his four years. He came in and, you know, look, there's, there's, I can compartmentalize my feelings on Trump because I wasn't like, you know, a lot of people became emotionally handicapped around Trump. Like they, they lost their minds. He broke their brains. They, they either loved him so much in an unhealthy way, or they hated him so much in an unhealthy way. I was kind of in the middle. I never really cared. I don't like that personality type to begin with, but politics wise, I was observant. I was just watching him. And I I got I got a really bad feeling when the Q movement started. Because I I spotted that and Kev Baker and I used to have these great conversations about it because he he spotted it right away too. And it, we it felt like when they they said, you know, you can almost you can almost see it coming. You can almost connect the dots in your head. All you people, you know that they're the other side is really bad and they're doing all this nefarious stuff. We're going to educate you about it. But then what we want you to do is do nothing. We want you to go stand in the corner and trust the plant and wait. Patriots are at work. It's all happening behind the scenes. People are being taken to Guantanamo, but we're not going to activate you yet. So we need you to know this, but we need you to stand down and we need you to just trust that Things are happening behind the scenes. You're like, okay, fine. I'm going to wait. 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 And then here comes Biden. And you go, well, well where, where was the plan? And you go, well, oh, you've been had. That, that, right. No, the plan was, like... <laughs> the plan was for you. you oh, yes. trust the plan. I forgot to tell you what the plan was. The plan was to make you, to neuter you guys so that you did nothing. So that you stood around waiting. And, and instead of actually getting involved. And so when, when you see that and you, and you go, well, that's despicable, right? That's a, that's a, that's a crappy way to, to treat people that are 
genuinely enthusiastic about trying to get a better form of government. And I, you know, and so here we come round two of Trump and, and you know, he's saying all the things, you know, this time around, I'm going to lock her up. And, 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 and Glenn Beck was talking to him like, I don't know, yesterday, two days ago. And he said, you know, you, you said in 2016, you were going to lock her up and you didn't. And now given what you, what you see, how do you feel about locking people up? And he says, well, this time around, I would definitely lock people up. And it's like, okay, well, again, sounds good. Trump porn, right? You get this fantasy of like Hillary Clinton getting perp walked and handcuffs. And, oh, I mean, amazing, right? But it's not like you didn't know who Hillary Clinton was in 2016 or 2017 or 2019. You could have done all these things back then. You know, it just, it feels, it feels like rope-a-dope again. It feels like, it feels like you get, people are getting suckered in again. And so I, um, I will tell you though, I mean, you talk about like f f controlled opposition, be, be careful for these guys, these guys that come out of nowhere and are all of a sudden, a, 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 the media establishment is platforming them. They don't do that to people that they hate. They, they, they don't platform, they don't want to platform Trump really they, because of his power. But I see Vivek Ramaswamy everywhere, right? I, I see him everywhere. They 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 must want him to be the guy. I see Ron DeSantis everywhere. They must want him to be the guy. I don't like any of them. I don't I, I don't trust any of them. And so I, I don't know where we're, we're gonna be in an interesting time though. Um I think ultimately I think ultimately if if the establishment has their way, they're gonna get that soulless psychopath in San Francisco, Gavin Newsom, and put him in because he he looks like a guy that might finally push down the plunger on this controlled demolition. Well, I think you're, I mean, he's testing the waters too. And I don't know if he's still uh, angling at DeSantis because I think he was seeing that maybe DeSantis would be his his opposition in the the general election or something. But I don't know if the DeSantis campaign is going to last. I mean, now we do these campaigns and they're, they're just farther and farther and farther out. It's like people don't realize politics, I mean, a year in politics is an eternity. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about so much can happen that the, the, the amount of money you have to raise now and it's, it's all ridiculous, you know, and, and again, you talk, I, I don't know if you heard the second hour, but Don Jeffries was saying that he was reading a report that back in the 90s, um, one of the people in Al Sharpton's uh, TV audience was uh, a young Ramaswamy and the other one was Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. What are, the chances? what are the chances of that? Like, that's when you, we're being fed people. That's why they call it a news feed, right? We're being fed people, being fed these characters and again put nobody did that for ron paul i mean ron paul had like you know they they had uh hot air balloons and blimps and uh overhead passes and people like just you know remember the ron paul revolution it was all yeah. grassroots they they dominate they come they have all these people at these uh, straw poles and then somehow lose like that's the only you know again the game is rigged and they would you know all the polls would come out and ron paul would win and the media go well and you have mitt Romney. they would start at mitt romney or they'd start at mccain or something and i thought they, wow, this over the top tony one time there was i saw this on uh oh god it must have been uh, was it msnbc it had to have been msnbc it was like uh i don't know mitt romney number one I forget who it. Nuking reach number two, 
and then some other guy, number four. And it's like, where's number three? Number three was Ron Paul. But it was like, they were like one, two, and four. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, it's so obvious that they hate anybody that, that, that poses a threat to the establishment. So, so again, you just have to, you have, if you know that, if you know how they, how these guys operate, then you know that if there's a candidate that that's being allowed to be presented and, and getting a ton of, of support, that should just make you give it a second look. That's all. We're just asking people to be critical thinkers. We're asking, like you said, to sec, take a second pass through this information. What do you, what do you think? Like based on what, you know, why do you think they're allowing this guy to have the platform that he has? And, and, and part of that is, I think, because he's not a threat to the establishment. If he was a threat to the establishment, he'd get the Ron Paul treatment. He'd get the, sure. you know, he, 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 that's what they do. They'd, they'd put out polls and, and forget to put the, the number three guy in there. It's crazy. Well, you know, with with 20 minutes left, and I might have to take a little bit of time at the end while you're uh, plugging to figure out how to play the outro music. Travis sent me that. I'm going to have to download it in real time, so you guys have to bear with me. We won't, we won't lose any of the audio, but I, I want to see if I can actually do I'm producing myself with a laptop, and nice. I don't have my usual. You see, my books aren't behind me, Charlie. So I saw that. It doesn't, must... doesn't mean I haven't read books or that I don't have books with me. But uh, no, I'm in, I thought I'm you finished them all. <laughs> I'm like Thomas Jefferson. He sold him to the Library of Congress for twenty-four thousand dollars. I think at one point he was he was broke. Um, oh, but, uh, I don't know if you funny. knew that. Uh, but look, I wanted to ask you, with a little bit of time left, you know, all this stuff. I mean, you cover so much material in macroaggressions. You've written about this. I mean, your book, The Octopus of Global Control, is really like your entrance onto the stage yeah. in alternative media. It's it's a very well written book. I, I I reference it all the time. I carry it on my Kindle too. I've got it in paperback. Cool. Uh, but I'll, but just going through subject matter, like just refreshing what we do because there's so much good work in there. Thank you. Would you say that there's a blueprint in your mind? I mean, we all talk about the problems. We talk about what's wrong. We talk about what's facing us, what could go wrong, what has gone wrong, the origin story. This is what we do. But have you thought about a blueprint for how do we turn it around? How is it? Can, what can you save? Um, obviously you don't want to conserve something that is, I mean, you wouldn't want to conserve our politics now, but how do you, how do you create something new? Have you, have you thought, where would you start if you were going to, uh, tell people this is where we go to, to turn things around? Well, it's funny you say that because I had, I had Dr. Shiva on a couple of weeks ago. He's talking about a guy that's just, he's just had it with everybody. Um, and I, and he's a systems engineer and I, that I started off with this question, the United States government is a gigantic system. You're a systems engineer. What do we do? Do we have we have two choices? Do we fix the current system or do we build a brand new system? And his response was, it's tempting to want to build a brand new system. But when you look at a system and he used Amazon as an example of how the network works, the supply chain, the distribution hubs, the warehouses, all that millions and millions of that man hours went into conceptualizing that ultimately building it out and, and building the, the infrastructure for Amazon to be what it is, right? And he used that as an example. And he said, you want to build a parallel system to this government, good luck. Y we need it, but good luck because it requires the it requires massive amounts of 
time, effort, and money that we don't have. He said, so instead of that, he says he is a believer that the, that the system can be fixed. So you look for weak points. You look for, for areas where you, where you can get a foothold in there. The currency is definitely one of them. I believe that this is, this, if we're talking about changing things, things are going to change when the dollar gets, loses its reserve currency. Now, Berwick and I kind of described this at, at the tail end of controlled demolition. We made this comparison to December 26, 2004, Banda Aceh, Indonesia, how the people walked, woke up that morning and went out to the beach and there was no water. It's gone, right? The tourists said, this is crazy. They went out and took selfies and found, a, you know, found a starfish because there's no water anymore. And it was wild. It was, it's, they didn't know what to make of it, but the people that had experience and instinctively <laughs> the animals as well went to higher ground. They knew what that meant. They knew what they, when they saw that go out and they, and, and, and it come, they, they knew it was going to come back in tenfold. We're at a point right now, Tony, where I feel like if we're on that beach if you're waiting for the news to tell you time to get off the beach, it's too late. You need to recognize and trust your instincts and know you see what you see. Grab the people closest to you. Say, we got to go. Get yourself to higher grounds. And, and however you do, however that means. Now, that might take on a variety of forms. But I think we, you know, getting yourself out of the banking system would be a great way to do it. Obviously, I know I'm talking to a gold and silver guy. I don't need to tell you that. But, but just... I'm not even saying invest in gold and silver necessarily. I'm saying just transform the physical nature of your soon-to-be worthless Federal Reserve notes. Just change form. Change them into something else. Change them into gold. Change them into silver. Even if they do nothing for you, even if they don't go up in value, just, just flip them while you can. Get yourself... Sort get yourself something that is outside of the system. It doesn't have a counterparty risk to it. Doesn't have, you know, you're not, I'm not saying go buy GLD on the stock exchange. Don't do that. I'm saying buy, buy yourself some physical metals and, and get yourself as self-sufficient as you can. That might mean get yourself educated. Download the books that you can download while you can. Uh, you know, anything that's going to help you. Things, books that are about how to grow your own food. I I, I had no interest in ever being a farmer. I it, zero interest, but I'll tell you, I watched my grandparents in Tennessee when I was growing up, I would go stay at their, at their place. And they had a little farm, they had a little garden there and they generated more food from that than they could ever eat. And they gave it out to all the people. And, and it wasn't, it might've been 20 yards by five yards. I mean, it was not, not big. And that was enough to, so I, I remember that and they were always canning and, and I think that's a different era. So be proactive, not reactive. The, the people that are watching the mainstream media, they're going to be reactive and they're going to be far behind you. So we've got an opportunity here. We've got an opportunity to, to, you know, when the reshuffling of society comes with, uh, you know, a breakdown of, of the money system and, 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 you know, potentially lawlessness, you don't want to be the last guy figuring it out. And if you're waiting for the, for, to get your info, you know, you're waiting for the news to tell you what to do. That, first of all, they don't, they don't, they hate you. Smith modernization act of 2012 legalized lying for them on you. So that's not a good source, but I think that we've been conditioned, unfortunately, to sort of wait 
to be told what to do, to trust the plan, to, to just sit here and wait. Tell me when to, when to act. Tell me when to activate. Tell me when the time to activate is now. It was yesterday. <laughs> so, so trust yourself, get out in front of this early, get yourself financially, you know, out of the system as, to the extent that you can understand that as a, somebody holding a bank account in the United States of America, you are an unsecured creditor. That money is when you put your money into your bank account, it becomes the property of the bank. And the bank, if the bank needs to take it, they can take it, bail in. If 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 the bank collapses and they need to make people whole, the bondholders are in front of you. So you're, you're an unsecured creditor in third position. Not a good place to be. Start, understand that. Start making moves in advance. You don't have to make a big deal about it. You don't have to tell everybody about it, but just start thinking, you know, the, look, the preppers were right, Tony. I mean, we kind of goofed on them a little bit and said, oh, you guys are kind of, kind of weird with your, with your prepper ideas. The preppers were right. They were, they were talking about this early. They were saying, you've got to get yourself as, as detached from the system as you can be as self-sufficient as, as possible. And, and, um, talk to the people close to you, the people that will listen, the people that haven't, you know, turned you off because they think that you're, you know, you were talking about some COVID things and they thought that you're insane. Talk to the people that will listen to you, prioritize your time, prioritize your energy and start it now and start doing it now. And what, what you'll find is that the universe, whatever, something out there will put you in a situation where more of those things start to come your way. You'll interact with people that feel the same as you. You'll go to a farmer's market. You'll meet a guy not too far away from you that sells beef directly. You know, that's a good guy to know. You know, know that guy. No, you know, have a plan. As Terrence McKenna says, if you don't have a plan, you become part of somebody else's plan, right? So, so we're at a point now where, um, and we just talked about trusting the plan, right? Bad idea. Don't do that. Trust in yourself, trust in your own plan. If you do that and you do the things that you know you need to do in advance of it, we're all going to, we're all going to feel the effects of the tsunami, but you'd rather be at high ground, man. And you feel bad for the people that didn't figure it out and, and you wish you could save them. And, and I want to save everybody, but that's unrealistic when a bunch of people are, you know, pretending to, you mentioned the, the octopus book one you know i've got 700 quotes from 500 different people in that book but there's a there's a quote in there that i always i, I always liked it's a navajo proverb you cannot wake somebody that is pretending to be asleep that's where we are we've got a bunch of people pretending to be asleep so those well, dangerous times you, the the tsunami uh analogy is brilliant and uh, i'll never forget that was my birthday it's the day i turned 25 years old uh, December 26, 2004. So I, I know that, I know that event well, and you're, you're right. A lot of people didn't see, you know, um, I want to say it was our Buckminster Fuller, uh, said that, uh, people cannot get out of the way of what they don't see coming. So that's why what we do is important. It's near and dear to my heart because I think, all right, I studied history. I've lived through a lot of history. Um, I have no other agenda here other than let's let's find out what the absolute truth is, because I want it to guide me as well. I mean, uh, you know, uh, we, we lose money and revenue and listeners when we don't grab on the easy stuff that would be, I mean, truly phoning it in uh, for either politics or picking a particular uh, ideology or person. 
Uh, I know Charlie. I mean, I, this this group of people that we're in, we I don't. There's no grifters, so we 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 tend to stick to what we can prove, and uh, I think that's that's so apt. I mean, the thing about people not being able to see what's happening, and that's why I started the show off this morning, and I mentioned Triffin's dilemma, you know, Robert Triffin, the economist, back in the '60s, and what happens when you lose the world's reserve currency status? What happens if repatriate trillions or quadrillions or whatever it is? uh those currency units crash i mean we just we've never experienced that i mean we've had a depression we've had world wars but we've never just lost uh the world's reserve currency status because we've only had it since 1944. you know before that it was the british uh, the british had an empire in which the sun would never set and then they later became what gore vidal called an aircraft carrier for the united states i mean that's what they were that's what the that's what great britain was so it's it's I think so much monumental change is coming, um, but you're right about really just sourcing. If you want to change the world, you start with yourself and you kind of start with your local community and your in your family, how you are prepared to weather those storms. Um, yeah, obviously, I'm in the gold and silver business, so I plug that. But I mean, even if you're not doing any business with me, you understand that gold and silver are money. And there's a reason why the Federal Reserve Bank doesn't buy gold. Uh, okay. Every other bank, every other central bank in the world is. There, many of them are hand over fist buying, like China, yeah. and and Turkey, uh, and Russia. I mean, just massive buyers of gold. Um, there's a reason why the United States does not, because our system is at war with value. So you need to embrace value, whether that's land or a business or something, because the game is rigged against you. Robert Kiyosaki famously says that savers are losers. He doesn't mean it as an insult. But you put it, you know, a dollar in a bank account, that's silly. It just is. You need to have something that is outside without third, uh, counterparty risk um, that you hold in your hand. And, you know, I've talked about, I'm still a fan of cryptocurrency in a lot of ways. I, I Again, it's be cautious. Uh, I, right now, I'm just a Bitcoin maximalist at this point. I, I buy a little bit of Bitcoin every day um, as a savings. I mean, just to hedge against what's happening. I, um, and I think that that could be something that's going to be on the horizon is a good thing. I'm, again, not telling people to go buy anything. Uh, I'm not making any recommendations. I'm telling you what I do. And then that's I'm betting against the system. At the end of the day, what I do when I wake up in the morning is I bet against this system. And so I've been doing it for years. Uh, it's been very kind to me because of wonderful people like in your, in your audience and David's audience, and my own audience and people that trust me and trust my company. Uh, and I've, I'm able to pay my bills because of it. Thank God. I'm very, I'm very humble. Um, but bet against this system, you know, that's step number one. It's like, you know, you're basically channeling George Carlin. It's like rule number one. I never believe anything the government tells me. Like that's the best. Right. I, I quoted that this morning. So it's interesting. We're on the same wavelength, but. No, you're, you're, you're just absolutely right. We're in unprecedented times. Uh, shows like this, shows like yours, so very important. What the work that you're doing, um, just hearts and minds, you know, to steal something from uh, the leaders in Vietnam. Uh, but yeah, that's there is something to that. Uh, we're in a psychological, uh, spiritual war. And, the, the, you know, changing hearts, changing the way people see things. Uh, is I think the most important job in the world right now, especially with all the censorship and, and the amount of lies. Uh, so anyway, I want to give you 
uh, some final thoughts. Charlie, he'll tell people where they can find you. We got about, I mean, you're, we can go right up to the three hour mark, but I'm going to go look for the uh, way to download okay. the, the, the uh, outro. Well, I'll, I'll start by saying focus on the people that are close to you, the people that will listen to you. Prioritize your energy and your efforts in this, in this part of, in, at this time because we're, we're, we're running out of time. Um, I appreciate you having me, you know, you are, you've, you've been on macroaggressions plenty of times. I've described you as the most interesting man in the world and not way more interesting than the Dosecki's guy. I will say based on your background, great to meet you in person a couple weeks ago. We'll see you next week. But for those that are interested, macroaggressions goes out twice a week as an audio podcast, uh, wherever podcasts are served on Sundays. They go out as a video uh, or they go out as an interview. And on Wednesdays, they go out as a monologue. This uh, Sunday, David Icke is coming on. We talk about uh, climate terrorism and we talk about simulation theory. He's got a new book called The Dream. So we talked about that. We talked about DMT. We talked about, a kind. Uh, you know, I had a, it was the best conversation I've ever had with David Icke. It was, it was so good that when we got done, his people were like, can we get a copy of that? <laughs> you know, like, and I knew, like, I knew about halfway through, oh, this is a banger, man. People are going to love this one. So, so macroaggressions in audio format anywhere in video format, Rockfin's a good place for it. You can find, um, you can find me, my website, the octopus of global where you can find out about information about the books that I've written and um, on Twitter at macroaggressions on Instagram at macroaggressions podcast. So we're doing what we can spreading the word through the established media channels, but you know, we get no love. We have no thrown off of YouTube as everybody has been. There's, there's no right. point. So I, I guess I took it as a sign must be doing something right. If YouTube came for me. Um, but uh, I appreciate Look, I appreciate the the support of the of the of the viewers and and the listeners because, like you said, if you if you if your interest is in finding the truth, then you're not going to be on the red team or the blue team, and that really eliminates a sizable portion of your audience. So, I don't need to be the biggest show in the world. I just want to have great information and great guests, and and so I appreciate. Uh, I appreciate you having given me the opportunity to come back on and 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 talk to the to the audience because I think this audience, you know, I, this audience understands what's going on. Uh, but uh, but this audience also has a responsibility, and that is to talk to the people close to them to the extent that they can. Don't be don't come off as crazy. Ease into it, but uh, identify the people that you can talk to. Let them know what's going on, and 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 tell them to be proactive. It's the only way to go. Well, so appreciate you being here. Uh, magnificent third hour, as always. Uh, you're, you're a go-to. I know that you'll show up and uh, you're going to bring some magnificent information. Uh, so appreciate you, Charlie. Uh, you. The Octopus of GlobalControl.com, ladies and gentlemen, the, the uh, podcast is Macroaggressions. Uh, look for Charlie. Go see Charlie uh, in New York next weekend uh, at uh, Free World NYC. Go to Eventbrite.com to get tickets. I appreciate you, Charlie. We'll, we'll talk soon, my friend. I'm going to see Thank if I can you. close this out. All right. Take care. Take care. Mark. Well, folks, uh, I want to close by saying uh, we went through, you know, the whole show uh, without any really commercial breaks. I did a little bit of plug uh, about an hour or so ago. TheDavidKnightShow.com. Uh, that's how you can support the show. Uh, every little bit counts. Uh, not everybody can uh, donate something financially, but you can offer prayers. You can share the links. 
uh, you can get involved. Uh, I've been hosting for David Knight since 2019. It's one of the great honors of my life. I know the Knight family. These are genuine, real, good people. Uh, I mean, there's, no, there's nobody like David Knight in media uh, anywhere. Uh, so it's it's uh, such an honor to fill in for him. So go support the show, thedavidknightshow.com. Uh, you can go direct by T-shirts, mugs, hats, all the good stuff. Um, you can go direct to his cash app and, and sell and everything else. And if you want to get some precious metals and give David credit, it's davidknight.gold. Uh, you can go to wolfpack.gold as well and, and check out the membership program. We've got probably hundreds of David Knight listeners in there that we uh, we so appreciate. And uh, go go join the pack and uh, list David as your uh your sponsor why you why you uh found us and we will give david credit we do every single week so appreciate all of you i think i'm going to be able to close out just on i can't look at both screens at the same time so you guys will bear with me but i appreciate all of you i'm going to go to the daily outro see if we can make this happen stand by there we go <laughs> just a little over just a, just a smidge over but it's been a fun show. Such an honor. Uh, hopefully, I'll be back soon. I'll probably be on next Thursday. So look for me. We'll be talking gold, silver, Bitcoin, and the apocalypse. You guys take care. End of transmission. <laughs>